tonight on the Midnight Train Podcast, we take you on a journey into the lesser-known case of the Hinterkaifeck murders, where six people were murdered in a small German community and the case was never solved. This is a wild ride and not for the squeamish. Warning, we say things like, what the fuck did we do to hurt you New Zealand? And, Jeff's PP shoots razor blades at sleepy zombies. Haha. <laughs> now that's fucking funny. All aboard. Welcome to episode 78 of the Midnight Train Podcast, where we bring the dark to light. What's that mean? Well, you guys know what it means. We make fun of and joke about creepy shit while bringing you as much information on each topic as possible. I am your host, the conductor of the cryptic, Jonathan Sayer. And with me is actually Mr. Moody. Hello. How are you today, buddy? I'm, uh, I'm doing pretty good. I got, a, uh, I got a COVID test yesterday. Yeah. It did the rapid test. Yeah. I am negative, so yeah. we're okay. Nice. I'm, you know. You'd still be here if you were positive, though, right? Yeah, and I wouldn't have said anything. That's what I, that's what I figured. <laughs> yeah. That's, <laughs> it is what it is. It is yeah, whatever. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I've had it at some point yeah, by now. This thing's fucking just, ugh. Yeah. I don't even want to get into it just yeah, because whatever. fucking hell, man. And whatever. unfortunately... The uh, one and only co-host, uh, Mr. Jeff, is not with us. And the reason that he's not is, uh, I know we were messing around last week and we were talking about him being kidnapped <laughs> and stuff. But the truth of the matter is, is that, uh, well, Jeff's at home pissing out rocks. Yeah. Or, or at least trying to piss out heard, rocks. Yeah. 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 So why don't we get him on the phone here and, uh, and, and see what he has to say about this whole pissing out rocks thing. Yeah, let's do that. And everyone's like, what the fuck is he talking about? Pissing out rocks. Well. Well, it's Jeff. Hey, what's up, buddy? How you doing? Oh, I'm great. How how are you? How was the the pissing out rocks thing going? It's still going. <laughs> so uh, I kind of just want to die at this point. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> I figured. So I, I you know, kind of spilled the beans and let the listeners know that we were just you know fucking around last week. But you are genuinely fucked up right now, and you're uh, yeah, you've got some issues going on, right? So this is this is great. So I have two kidney stones. Oh shit! Mm. I had, had them before. You know, same I'm ones. Not like, I'm not a rookie. <laughs> they came back. <laughs> yeah, I, I eat them when they when they come out, and I, I recycle them. You recycle them? <laughs> well, that's good to know. <laughs> Jesus. No, what sucks is I had two, and these are a year old, by the way. Okay, so follow me on this. This is crazy. We're gonna get medical on on the podcast. Today. You ready? Oh, all right. I thought you hated okay. that shit. <laughs> <in the podcast. laughs> Do I get to fall asleep this time? <laughs> yeah. So I had uh, some bladder issues about a year ago. Okay. So I went to the urologist and it turned out just to be like a, a minor bladder infection, whatever. Well, anyways, they did a CT scan at that point. And the two kidney stones that I'm working on right now were in my kidney at the time. <laughs> that you're working on right <laughs> they're, now. They're like, it's like you're doing paper mache at home right now. Yeah. So when I went in uh, last week, when I first started getting the pain and everything, dude, I was peeing blood like a horror movie. It was the scariest thing ever. Like I've never had that before. And I've had kidney stones. So hey, like, just real quick. Least, yeah. That's not kidney stones. That's AIDS, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonorrhea or something, dude. Yeah. Like it was just like a horror movie, man. It was like pure blood. And I'm like, okay, this isn't right. So I made a doctor's appointment 
And then I started getting the flank pain, which I've had before. And so he had he did blood work and then he had me do another scan and the scan showed that they had moved. He's like, Oh yeah, this is your two kidney stones from a year ago. I'm like, okay. <laughs> it's taking a so, fucking year for them to get where they need to go. He told me that people can have them in their kidneys for up to 10 years and not even know it. They just, they just stay there. It's like two old people driving in a car right yeah. now. Jesus Christ. So apparently I passed a, a, the, the one was really, really small, like a flake of pepper almost. And I passed that one, but the other one I got a little bit bigger and it's just hanging on for dear life. Dude. It's like, it's literally destroying my life. Like I go to work, I'll, I'll be able to go to work for like an hour or two. And then I have to leave because I'm just in excruciating pain and I have to pee like every second. So now a couple it's, of things, a couple of things, first and foremost, um, so we were on tour many, 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 many oh, times yeah. ago. And Jeff ended up getting one of these things in the middle of the fucking tour. Ugh. So he's in the back seat of, well, at the time my wife and I were just dating and I, where, where was that at? Where were we coming from? God, I it was like Mississippi or something like that. Yeah. It was something we, out in the middle of Podunk nowhere. And so he went with us in the car and he's laying in the back of it because the tour bus was going to meet us. We were going to meet them there. It was like, Hey, we're going to stop off the hospital. How long did it take for you to get out of there? Oh, it was a while. I mean, it was like half a day, I think, or something. Yeah, it was uh, Memphis. We were going to Memphis. Uh, yeah, yeah. we were going to Memphis. And I forget, we maybe coming from Mississippi or whatever, but we showed up in like the nick of time to play the show. <laughs> and did, did you play? Yeah, remember I was drugged out of my mind? Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. He was all doped <laughs> up. Yeah, he was all doped See, up. That was, and that's what sucks now is back then, they would give you Percocets and, and volume and bike it and now you can't get anything because of all the little assholes that OD'd on it and fell on the street. If you so could if you were in Oregon. Like, yeah. yeah. Unless you're in the hospital, they won't give you that stuff. They tell you to take Tylenol and ibuprofen. I'm like, really, bro? I'm like, that's not a piece of gravel. Do you want me to take that? Smoke weed. But, <laughs> Smoke yeah, weed every day. So I, I've been doing that. I didn't want to, that's why I took last week off and this week because I don't want to be there. And in the middle of the podcast, it starts screaming like a baby and like blood. You, you, blood you realize that that would have made the episode fucking 10 times better, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Probably. Yeah. Just like, in the background, yeah, yeah. just like, ah, <laughs> ah. So Moody, have you ever passed a stone? I have not. I have. There's a guy I work with. He, he gets them every once in a while. He missed, he missed like four days, like a couple of weeks ago for the same thing. I, I, I passed one one time and, you know, just having some pains or whatever. It was just yeah. one. It was a tiny little itty bitty one. And I remember going, just going to the bathroom and all of a sudden having this excruciating pain and then looking down and seeing like drops of blood oh, immediately it. went to the emergency room yeah. <laughs> immediately. I didn't know what was going on. They're like, Oh, you know, you have urethritis because you passed a stone. I'm like, Oh Jesus. So dude, I feel for you. That does suck, man. Yeah, it's just this year sucks, man. It really does. It's like I get COVID. I get th- it's like what the hell's next? Like I think you're just my being arm, a, my arms fall off. I think you're just being a pussy. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah. I don't feel like kidney stones a good reason to not be here. So that's hilarious. I'm just gonna say it. So you woman, <laughs> no women can pass. Women give birth. I was gonna say it's probably yeah. easier for them. Yeah. yeah, easier what? I don't know. Do you think it be? Is, do you think it's easier for a woman to pass? A so what stone? I've heard. And I'm never going to they do, probably don't disparage act as a much, woman. They probably don't act as little babyish as men do. Well, that's the thing. Well, they say the closest thing that a man can feel to um, childbirth is passing a kidney stone. Yeah. That's that's the closest. Eef. But that probably doesn't even get even remotely close because they're literally no. shitting out a yeah. human being out of a freaking slit in their crotch. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Jesus. Well, we just wanted to call and let everybody know. 
what you were up to or <laughs> wait a minute while we have i hope to return, hope to return next week so all I, right while we have jeff on the phone though because i want to hear unless i don't does he know about uh what we were just talking about Uh oh i don't know which part the youtube thing oh no okay so i want to get <laughs> i want to hear what jeff's response to so this jeff and listeners out there <laughs> So you know how we were actually uh, number one in Thailand for comedy podcasts yeah. recently. And that was absolutely awesome. Well, to add, and by the way, any you know Taiwanese <laughs> listeners out there, is it no, that's Taiwan. Jeez, is it Thailandy? Thai- it's Th- Thailand? Thai- any of our listeners in Thailand, <laughs> thank you so much. But um, so I woke up this morning and I got a notification that our YouTube um that posted yesterday or today for the show today, yeah. um was actually banned in New Zealand. <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah. For some reason, somebody thought that in New Zealand didn't like it very well. So, so now the entire country of New Zealand <laughs> cannot hear that episode. Cannot hear that episode <laughs> because you know why? Because you didn't say the dingo. I, <laughs> I told you. I knew it. Damn it! <laughs> they were like, "Oh, this is great up until that point." <laughs> so, so yeah. hey, any of our Australian, our Australian listeners. Go over to New Zealand and fuck them up. Yeah, kick their asses. Please. Fucking whoop, whoop their asses. Aussies, we love you. New Zealand, suck a bunch of dicks. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> anyway, so man. All right, well, here's, here's the thing. I'm, I'm going to go pee because I have to, and it's probably not going to be good. But Do me a guys- favor. If you happen to pass this thing in the next like couple hours. Take a picture. Call us, too. Oh, I will. I will. Yeah, call I will. us because we'll I'll be bring- here. I'll do one further. I'll bring it to the show next week. <laughs> if you know, if you know that you're about to pass it, call us because we want to hear the agony in your. <laughs> it's, it's, it's here, man. It's here. All right, dude. Well, take care of yourself, and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll see you uh, back in uh, the studio next week, right? I'll be I'll be there next week with a kidney stone or without. It, no matter what, I'll be there. Awesome. All right, dude. We'll take care right. of yourself, brother. We'll we'll talk to you All soon. Right. Have a good show and don't let the ratings drop while I'm gone, okay? <laughs> yeah, we'll see too, what we can do. Too late for that. Yeah, too too late. <laughs> All right, dude. All right, guys. Later. All right, see, see you later, pussy. Bye. Bobbitch. <laughs> Bobbitch. <laughs> Just kidding. So, yeah, so that's what's going on with Jeff. <laughs> Jeff is unfortunately um, not doing too well, um, but he will be fine, I, I hope. <laughs> I, I, I hope he will be fine. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, I guess we'll see. You know what I mean? So anyway, <laughs> so it's just like going to be me and Mr. Had, Moody again. If we had a death pool, I would take Jeff at this point. Oh, yeah, he's going first. <laughs> 100%. Absolutely. I, I would take that. I With mean, his luck, man. Yeah, I'd throw money he's down a on shoo-in. that. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> so you beautiful bunch of pa- dark passengers know that we're just three musicians and assholes and, well, two musicians and a guy that's peeing bricks right now. And uh, we just love history and can't get enough of the mysterious. We want you to know how much it means to us that you're listening to us at this very moment. Your reviews and support really do make all the hard work worthwhile. In saying that, please stop over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now and give us a five-star review. It helps for some fucking reason, whatever. You can say anything. You can say, pee that brick out, Jeff. Yeah, absolutely. Call him a pussy. There you go. Call him a pussy. Tell Jeff that kidney stones are no excuse. That's right. (laughs) Or say, you know what? You know what you can say? Say, fuck you, New Zealand. 
And fuck New Zealand. We're just kidding, by the way, New Zealand. We like all of you except that one asshole. Yeah, whoever that one person was that did that, did that can just fucking suck a fart. Anyway. The rest of you. Yeah. The rest keep of you on, guys keeping are great. On, yeah, I love Kiwis. So you can also find us on Spotify and iHeartRadio by typing the Midnight Train Podcast in their search bar and clicking the follow button. You'll then get each episode as they are released. And Patreon subscribers just got an amazing, yeah. Yeah. an amazing <clears throat> Just absolutely titillating <laughs> um, <laughs> a, a, a bonus episode on um, the one and only, well, who, who was it? Dirt the, McGirt. Dirt McGirt. ODB, the old ODB. dirty bastard. Like it's the. the I want to. I want to apologize really quick. I got I got word that this, some people thought it was a little too short, and I apologize for that. It seemed longer when I was writing it. <laughs> so yeah, it's it it's one of the uh, the uh, the day the music died uh, series that we do, and it's a bonus episode or whatever. And it is on the one and only um the the odb man yeah, big baby jesus that's right big big baby jesus <laughs> and all the other names that he yeah. had so if you want to hear that as well as all the other uh, bonus stuff we have please sign up over at patreon.com forward slash the midnight dream podcast and yeah you'll get that kind of stuff yeah, so yeah. in the meantime uh let's uh turn down the lights adjust our seats oh yeah <laughs> make it a creepy yeah baby grab a drink which Moody brought the refreshments That's right. today. I did. But first of all, you know, and let's get spooky. But first of all, here's a toast to all you beautiful motherfuckers. We're all living in America, America. It's wonderful. We're all living in America, America, America. We. that be moody that is none other than rammstein rammstein and you know why we uh we we are playing ramstein there um we're doing a song about industrial or doing an episode about industrial metal no okay um we're doing an episode about really cool music videos no we're actually actually headed to germany really yes in, in this episode, and by the way, I do have to preface something real fast, um, and I'm sure that, you know, as Evan said in the beginning of this, um, this it's going to be a little bit rough in spots, and it's going to be a little hard to follow in spots, because yeah, we're actually <clears throat> heading all the way back to uh, 1922. It is, yeah. And so some of the information is a little bit convoluted, it's a little bit all over the place, it's a little weird. And not only that... <laughs> 90% of the information I got was translated from German. So there are some really interesting word combinations. So this time <laughs> when I fuck up shit, it's just because of the translation. I'll say this is legitimately not, well, it might just probably still some, but it's legitimately <laughs> not my fault. So, all right, this is a great story and something I've wanted to do for a while just because of the, the just everything behind it. And uh, we are diving into some, uh, some true crime here. Um, a little bit, a little bit, yeah. Right. So sometime on the evening of March 31st, 1922, six people were killed at a deserted farm in Bavaria. Now, where's Bavaria? In Germany. Exactly. Despite decades of investigations and more than 100 suspects, the case was never resolved. This would come down to uh, be known as the Hinterkaifecht murders. And I'm going to say it, it like that. Hinterkaifecht. Well, there's no I T like... at the end. It's just feck. Oh, damn it. Hinterkaifecht. 
Yes. It sounds better with tech at the end. Anyway, whatever. So it sounds very angry either way. <laughs> it does sound angry. He's done a guy fact. It's a guy fact. <laughs> so tonight on the train, we delve into the crazy that surrounds this case. Who did it? Why did they do it? Incest? Yes, it is very gross, but it's also, <laughs> it's in there. Yeah. It's yeah. in there. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. There are a ton of crazy theories, websites, documentaries, articles, all kinds of shit that delve into the case. And um, we uh, use two main sources for this episode, which are amazing resources for actual information. Yeah, absolutely. And not just myth and conjecture. Which there's a shitload of thank you. Correct. There's a lot of misinformation out there. So uh, they are the hinterkaifect.net. Which is where most of this came from. Really awesome website. Awesome. And hinterkaifect slash mord. That's M-O-R-D dot D-E. Both have incredible amounts of information and discussion. Also pictures, because uh, we know you guys are fucking sick. And they... you like that creepy gross shit. Dude, okay. Yeah, there's some fucked up shit on there. Like, if you've ever seen pictures from that age, that period, they're weird enough as it is. Oh, yeah. Like, if you look at, like, the Jack the Ripper pictures and stuff, dude, these are right on par. Like, I was looking at them, and they are just fucking really creepy. The funniest part to me about not funny, but the most, uh, the fucked up part to me is back then, they had the the great big flash thing. So, we had to sit there and wait you know what I mean? So you're not just going over and going click. You're sitting there and got a thing that's got a wick on it. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it goes, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's just fucking, yeah, that's why those, anyway. They're so weird, man. There's they're some crazy pictures. So with all that out of the way, in the immortal words of Michael Buffer, let's get ready to fucking rumble, right? You like that? Yeah, you did it wrong, but it's let's get ready to rumble. You know, I don't do sports. Anyway. Obviously. <laughs> look, look at your physique. Thank you. <laughs> Kaifek was a small settlement to the north of Weidhofen, around 50 miles north of Munich in Bavaria, Germany. A mile or so to the northeast of Kaifek was the village of Groburn. Between them lay the Witch's Wood, which is an awesome name. Yeah, it's great. At the northwest corner of the Witch's Wood stood an isolated farm. Colloquially, it was called Behind Kaifek, or Hinter Kaifek in German. That's what yep. Hinterkaifeck stands for. Yep. This is where our story takes place. So let's run through a timeline of events and then get into the craziness that surrounds this case. Um, as a disclaimer here, yeah. <laughs> we've done the best to kind of determine fact from fiction here. Right. We I tried to put in the stuff that I found to be the most true. Basically, I took it from multiple sources I would look yeah if I would find something I would check there was I had at one point about seven windows <laughs> open like and that I was going back and forth that I thought had like the best info oh really and I was basically just trying to see like okay this says this do these other ones corroborate that is it and if they were in most of the places I would I would say that would put that in okay so this this timeline though um is I got this I got this timeline from that hinterkaifeck.net. It's okay. a, it's a very detailed timeline of like when people were born, when they got married, when their right. kids were born, right. stuff like that. So it is a little bit like it can tedious, get a little bit yeah, it can get kind of confusing as it well. It basically is a timeline of who was born, where they were, how they kind of connected with each other and it brings in all the players in the case basically. So I tell you what as I go through all these, you can also kind of like chime in and let us know who's who. So that way, I will, maybe we can I keep will do my best because it's running even tally. hard for me yeah. to like really 
and it is really hard but the the, the reason it's, that we're going of through all of it explanatory too yeah. a lot of them will say like this person was born and this is like the daughter of these two people right whatever so but we're also like the the players in this and everyone that we're going to be talking about they're kind of important so just follow along and as you guys do i know you guys like the information out there so now there may be some things in the episode that are a little bit shaky and uh as far as you know being factually correct as there is a ton of information and mis- misinformation like we said also, much of this information was translated from German, as Moody mentioned. So please <laughs> there was, there bear was that some, in mind. I changed a lot of it. Like if I could figure out what the fuck they were saying, I was like, oh, it's supposed to be this. Right. Like it translated. There is there is some things that even I was reading. I'm like, I, I, I <laughs> okay, what's going in like that? So maybe we can try to like piece it out. We'll see. All right. We'll see. So the fact that the chrono, uh, the chrono, 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 chronology off, off, off of the bang does not end with the act, but on the contrary, continues to this day is due to the special fact that the case was never resolved and that it continues to concern people to this day. And again, that's what I want to touch on. We do true crime. I want it to be like cases that are unsolved so that way maybe people can dive into it a little bit more. And stuff that not a lot of, not a ton of people have covered. And right. And it's not a super popular case either. So the following is a detailed chronology of events from Interkaifek, as well as details on the people involved. Some of the details may seem tedious, like we said. So please, folks, just bear with us on this. So November 27th, 1849. It's the birth of Kazilia Senhuter, later Gruber. Right. Right. I'm going to do my best on my German accent here. So or our dialect. So I apologize. Riley's going to listen to this and be <laughs> oh, like, because we need your we need your boy yeah, here for this one. Riley's going to be like, what? In the hell I know a little doing? bit. I'll help as much as I can. All right. I took four years and I didn't really retain a lot, but I'll do what I can. OK, I know there's a lot of in there, so I'll try to do as much as I can. So November 9th, 1858, the birth of Andreas Gruber. Which is hilarious because Hans Gruber, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. It's just the entire That's time the, I was Every time it. I saw that name, yeah. yeah. In, uh, uh, let's see, August 16th of 1874, the birth of Lawrence Schlittenbauer. So those are, those, Andreas Gruber is one of the deceased. He's the the patriarch, the, the whatever. And then um, the Schlitten... Schlittenbauer? Yeah. He's, <laughs> he was a neighbor, and as you'll find out, one of these suspects. So those definitely important. And Uh, the first, the first lady was the wife, I believe. Okay. May 14th, 1877, uh, Kazilia Senhuter, later Gruber, married Josef Hassam von Hinterkaifeck for the first time. Okay. Now, and again, back then uh, people were, the von Hinterkaifeck is where they were from. Right. Right. So that was like their status. Right. Okay. Um, Josef Assam received the property Hinterkaifeck from his widowed father, Johann Assam, on April 24th, 1877, and a notorial marriage and inheritance contract was signed between Cecilia and Josef Assam. After the marriage, Cecilia Assam was co-owner of the property. And this is really important to talk about, the property especially. This is how the property became into the hands of Andreas and Cecilia. Right. So just rem- remember, we're talking about Hinterkaifeck being an actual property, and it was, it was really uh it was worth a lot back it then. was a pretty like if you look at like you can find layouts and everything it's a pretty sizable piece of land it's a pretty big farmhouse like it, it was it was a good good size good i'm sure it was of pretty good value even at that point right april 14th 1886 was the wedding of Kazilia and andreas gruber there you go a possible further marriage of Kazilia Assam gruber to a Josef ostermeyer which was possibly only of short duration in which according to Loeschner? Loeschner. Loeschner. 
should have existed after the death of jo uh, Joseph Assam can now be almost ruled out after appropriate research, meaning... So that's what I was saying. There's a lot of people that said before she was married to Andreas, she was married to somebody else. And this is saying that... It's not if true. If you actually do... If you get into the research, it's not true. Okay. In 1899, Lawrence Schlittenbauer takes over his parents' farm in Groburn. This yard is about 500 meters from the Hinterkaifeck. At an unknown point in time, LS, which one's, oh, that's uh, Lauren Schlittenbauer, yeah. becomes the local guide in Groburn. Right. 1903, according to Lauren Schlittenbauer, and uh, an interrogation in 1931, 16-year-old Victoria Gruber tells his first wife, Victoria Schlittenbauer, that she was seduced and or abused by her father. There's the incest. Yeah. So basically, uh, Andreas, yeah. Andreas was married before before he got with Kazelia. Right. And his daughter from that marriage claimed that she had an incestuous relationship with her father. Which is Victoria. Correct. That's the daughter, yeah. Right. Not not that's Victoria Gruber, <clears throat> not Victoria Schlittenbauer. Right. right. April third, nineteen fourteen, Victoria marries Carl Gabriel from Leg and the I <laughs> Inodolf. Is that in Inodolf? Inudolf. Inudolf is assigned to her uh, to Maybe, assigned to her beforehand. Allegedly, KG, which is Carl Gabriel, leaves Victoria after a short time and goes back to his parents. These are said to have sent him back to Hunter Kaifect. And it says it's an unclear source and it needs to be checked, but they, they're thinking right. that's kind of what it is. Right. Uh, let's see. December 12th, 1914, Carl Gabriel is killed in France near Nouvelle Street. Uh, was it Vast? During World War One. Where is it? Yeah, yeah. This okay. is, it's Saint. Newville Saint Vast. Oh, New Newville Saint Vast. Did so I say this, street? Yeah, <laughs> that's America right there. We so don't give a shit about is, your saints. So Carl Carl Gabriel is another person that's semi important to the story, depending on what you want to believe. So okay, we'll that's get to why that. he's in here. Awesome. By the way, the uh, the Miller High Life, which we're totally drinking right oh, now, yeah. and just gotta say yeah, for Miller High Life, it's tasting really good right I now. Know, right? Like that's a good batch. Yeah. All right. That's so January. <laughs> Thanks, BP. Yeah, absolutely. January 9th, 1915, the birth of Kazelia Gabriel, the daughter of Carl and Victoria Gabriel. Uh, May 28th, 1915. On May 28th, 1915, the district court in Newburgh sentenced old Gruber to one year in prison for incest on his daughter, Victoria. There you go. It's so gross. What the fuck? Yeah. July 14th, 1918, Victoria Schlittenbauer, Warren Schlittenbauer's wife, dies. Was well, first wife, right? Yes. In uh, August to so, December. Did you notice the abundance of same fucking names in this already? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's like <laughs> it's so hard to, to to listen to the last names. Victor That's what I'm trying to. Victorias and dude, there's fucking two Cazelias already yeah. <laughs> that were not at the time related. So fucking nuts. All right. So this is August to December 1918. Around this time, Schlittenbauer had an intimate relationship with. Victoria. Not the daughter. Not the daughter. Gruber's wife. Gruber's wife. Right. It's fucked up. Yeah, that's the see, this is what we're this is why so we So he's banging this... the next door neighbor's wife. Right. This is why this shit goes in. Ugh. According to his uh the to the information during interrogation in nineteen thirty one, uh LS that's Schlittenbacher, right? Yep. Schlittenbacher had sexual intercourse with Victoria Gabriel about uh uh five times the first time about two weeks after the death of his wife oh what a piece of shit so his his wife died and he hooked up with the the neighbor's wife like right after she died yeah but then it says victoria gabriel literally imposed herself on him after his portrayal yeah so basically yeah it was just a fucked up situation jeez 
Does she was about- like, you want to do it since your wife died? He's like, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> what a turd. <laughs> so a statement by the neighbors, Paul and Sigel, and remember those names, on April 5th uh, in 1922, guarantees that, um, what's his name again? Schlittenbauer wanted to marry Victoria, possibly during her pregnancy or after the birth of little Joseph. The old Gruber had strictly refused this. So the old man Gruber, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Hopefully your guys' brains aren't exploding yet because it, it, it will. It's going to yeah, get there. It's, it's yeah, going to get there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. July 9th, 1919, the birth of little Joseph. In the period from uh, September 13th, 1919 to September 27th, 1919, Andreas Gruber had to go to prison for incest. So, yeah, he got a whopping week and a half. (laughs) (laughs) You, sir, week and a half. Schlittenbauer testified against Gruber on uh, September 10th, 1919. At the urging of Victoria, he revokes his testimony on September 23rd, 1919 and also assumes paternity. It remains to be seen whether (laughs) old Gruber or Schlittenbacher was the father of little Joseph. Which is even grosser. Fuck. Because old <clears throat> old Gruber is, is oh, Jesus so Christ. So little Joseph could be his son slash grandson. His... <laughs> so the maid on the March 27th, 1921. Grandpappy the... daddy, yeah. how you doing? <laughs> sure this isn't Mississippi? I'm kidding, Mississippi. So gross. Listen, Mississippi knows. <laughs> they know. They know. It, it, it's happened. Maybe not now, but it's happened. I'm from West Virginia. I was going to say, aren't you from West Virginia? Yeah, so we so, can do all the yeah. jokes all day long. <laughs> March 27th, 1921, the maid Kresens Riger gives birth to a daughter in Hinterkaifeck. Uh, 1921, and this is pretty specific, at 7.05. <laughs> I know, right? That's yeah. some, that must have been a good marriage. Yeah, record, I guess. Yeah. Lauren Schlittenbauer marries his second wife, Anna Dick. <laughs> hey From uh, Deipelschofen, who brings a son, Joseph. So there's another, another Joseph, Joseph. Right. Yeah. Into the marriage. Another three children she had before this marriage had already died. They'd only known each other for three weeks, so it seems to have been an arranged marriage. From this marriage, there are five children. Schlittenbauer has become debt-free this year and is building a certain wealth. Oh, good for him. Yeah, Schlittenbauer. Good for, good for you, Schlittenbauer, you perverted old fuck. Fuck, fuck the banks. <laughs> yeah. He's Schlitt- not perverted. Wait. He's not banging his daughter. He's not. banging the other guy's daughter. He's banging the neighbor's wife, though. And her, No, his daughter. daughter. It is his daughter. I'm sorry. Jesus yeah. fucking. <laughs> yeah, see, that's why. That's, I'm telling you, it's the names. The Every fuck, name. Fucking... Schlittenbauer's oldest daughter, Magdalena. There's a new name. Oh, that's hey. good. Yeah, all right. Good job, guys. Hey. <laughs> Also gets married that year and moves to Tierham. 1921, at the end of August, the maid Kresens Riger gave notice. Uh, gave notice, meaning what? She's quitting? Yeah, she quit. And that comes up later, too. Okay. There's a lot of stuff with this woman. In March of 1922, allegedly about two weeks before the night of the murder, Pastor Haas, Pastor Haas found yes. 700 gold marks in an envelope that had been in the confessional. The money is said to have been deposited by Victoria Gabriel as a donation for the mission. I'm going to assume that 700 gold marks back then was a fuck ton of money. I sure. I mean, I'm assuming 700, look, $700 even now. That's, that's a lot I'm of saying. money to just drop in a church. That's fucking. what I'm saying. Like either way, 700, anything like yeah. you give someone 700 yeah, yeah. marbles. That's a lot of fucking marbles. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I mean, obviously I don't think it would be worth mentioning if it wasn't a pretty hefty sum of money. Right. That's like if I'm it was saying. like five bucks and I could be like, Hey, found $5. <laughs> Who fucking cares? So it says note here the uh, this issue first appeared in a report written down from memory by the police officer Xavier Meandres 
right? I got that. That sounds like some Hispanic. Yeah, like where, where are you coming from? In 1948, uh, the truth of the matter, for example, as regards the temporal proximity to the later murders or the amount of the sum is difficult to assess. So in other words, they don't fully 100% fucking know. If it was 700 or whatever. But or it, it was seven. <laughs> <laughs> the police officer Meandris is, uh, what? The police officer Meandris' first was. <laughs> See, this is what I'm, this is what I'm saying is the with German. the translation. The police officer Meandris, his first was transferred to Hohenhort in 1931 and was not involved in the original investigation. It's a completely different. That's a, you know, you're doing Russian. That's, like, that's Yuri. Yuri likes to pop out every now and then because right. he talks. He understands the German he dialect. Does. He probably gets the translation. The issues. only German I know is this one. <laughs> it doesn't fit in this situation. Your mustache is talking. <laughs> That's right. The mustache is getting in the way. So March 29th, 1922, at the age of only a few weeks, Anna and Lauren Schlittenbauer's first daughter most likely dies of sudden infant death and is born on uh, March. T- well, is That's what I'm saying. Is too. birthed on March 29th um, and then buried. And the church register whooping cough is found as the cause of death, which is fucking horrible. Uh, March 30th, 1922. We're getting closer here, folks. In the morning, um, Andreas Gruber discovers that the lock of the engine house has been broken into. However, through this attached house, there is no access to the stable or barn behind it. There are also traces of an attempted break-in on the door to the feed room. Now, there's a lot of different rooms and a lot of different buildings and a lot of different whatever. It's a fucking farm with a bunch of outbuildings. It's a big, big fucking farm as far as I can tell here. So. On the way into the forest, Gruber meets Lauren Schlittenbauer at 11 o'clock and tells him. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I got stuck on 11 o'clock. <laughs> o'clock. And tells him about the break in or attempted break in in a trail in the snow that leads to the farm, but not back. Shortly afterwards, Gruber meets the farmer, Casper Stigmar from Grubern, and then tells him about it. Now, now the whole trail of snow that so, leading to the farm but so not back that's yeah, they kind saw, of a big clue they saw footsteps that led into the farm but there was no footsteps out they, they saw him go into the farm and I think it was into one of the buildings or up to the house and then there was nothing else right so so it is said that uh, shortly before the crime either Victoria or, or her mother uh, ran away in desperation at night the woman was found crying on the on the couple. <laughs> it's so funny because it, it's not. Yeah, Basically, I, somebody else found her and she was yeah. crying. The next morning, Celie was very tired at school. And when asked by the teacher why she was doing this, she told them about this incident. During the search, a current edition of the Muncha Zeitung is said to have been found, which is a newspaper, right? Yeah, that's remember how it said earlier he found a weird newspaper that. Yeah, I think. Wait, did that come up yet? Anyways, as I was saying, <laughs> we're getting it in. is a newspaper. Yes. Which so unsettled Andreas Gruber that he asked the postman mayor on the following day whether anyone in the area was getting there this newspaper. Right. This was not the case. So this was a very like uh, not a newspaper <clears throat> from that area. Yeah, that he way. found he found a newspaper on the grounds that is not from that area and nobody in the area had a subscription to it. Right. So March 31st, 1922, in the morning of that day, Andreas Gruber and Victoria Gabriel are said to have gone shopping in Schrobenhausen. I feel like I got that one, right? No, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, Thank no. you. Gruber, Gruber is said to have reported inexplicable nocturnal noises in the attic. Wow. Well, uh, in the attic, in a hardware store, in a cattle that was untied or got rid of at night. And again, follow this. Uh, where, the, where it's total. The that's, translation is that's rough. That's one of the here. ones that I read like four times. I'm like, I, I 
I'm, I'm not fucking with it. I'm, I'm going to say that he basically he, he heard, he heard weird noises, noises in, the in the attic and that uh, one of the cattles either got loose or was untied. Right. Okay. Right. Well, I said one of the cattles. <laughs> Supposedly, Victoria also reports about it in another store. So she went someplace else and complained or talked said to one of the about. Yeah, she right. said the same thing. And it says neither the date of the uh, these purchases nor the exact circumstances are certain. Apparently, there are only statements about it of hearsay by Johann Kramer in whole. I'm going to say it's Venzolis Blay. It's Wenceslas. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. That's what it is. It's like that fucking Christmas song. Just the King Wenceslas. Is that what it is? Yeah. Wenceslas. Okay. It might be Wenceslas. That's what I. That's why I was going with the V because of the yeah, you know, Wenceslas. But that was from 1930. Last name's Blay. Right. Blay. That's so funny. What is your name? Hafudden Jack. <laughs> At 4.30 p.m., the new maid, Maria Baumgartner, accompanied by her sister, Franziska Schaefer, arrives in Hinterkaifeck. After an hour, the sisters leave the yard. March 31st, 1922, probably between 7.30 and 9 p.m. on a Friday. This is where we get into it now. This is where it's starting to get real. Yeah. So remember, we're just leading up to this stuff so you guys kind of understand who it is, which you probably have no fucking idea because I'm still like. It's a lot of pieces parts, man. Like all these little pieces kind of add up and make, cast a lot of doubt later on. We should go. We should have gone and just put like A and B, (laughs) not even said names. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. So an unknown perpetrator kills Victoria first then her mother, then her father, and then her daughter um, with a so-called um, Riathu, Riathau, which is basically just a pickaxe. It's, it's a actually, It's actually, I think it's like Rutau. Rutau? Which is, is it's, a pickaxe. it's called a root hoe, which Rutau. Yeah, so it's a hoe. Uh, so it looks like a pickaxe, but it's got a flat end on one it's, side. It's only, it's, um, it's basically, you know what an adze is? Looks yes. like an adze. So yeah. it's, it's got that curved blade and it's flat. And then where, as like a pickaxe would have another side, this just has one side to it. There's You can find pictures of the actual. Right, I actually up. looked it up because I didn't know what the yeah. hell that was. So, so was it's like, got that flat curved thing that you can use to like kind of trench and whatever. Right, so this uh, the so-called Rutau, which was probably in the barn. Then he goes on, the, the he or she, the perpetrator, goes on to kill the 44-year-old maid Baumgartner with the same weapon in the maid's room and then kills, unfortunately, little Joseph in Victoria's room. The murder, uh, murder weapon comes secured by the testimony of former Hinterkaifeck uh, farmhand George Siegel from the possession of the Gruber. So, so <laughs> the, again, Gruber. the Gruber. It says that a bunch it in here. It comes from the possession of the Gruber. Which would say that it would it belongs to the Gruber. It was yeah. on the farm already. It wasn't brought. It was the Grubers. Yeah. It was on the farm, right. Um, April uh, 1st, 1922. Now, this is where it gets a really... F- this is why I, I am, I'm so intrigued by this, um, this case. Because, you know, you got all these, like, cogs moving and shit like that right but this part's the part that's just fucking floored me so they're saying that essentially those four people were most likely killed on march 31st between 7 30 and 9 p.m just keep that in mind right so april 1st uh 1922 little kazelia is missing at school the coffee representatives. I, I don't know if that, I don't know if that's really if, like. If could, we're gonna say that's a, that there should be someone who's a coffee representative. I agree. I agree. Uh, which would be Hans and Edward Sharovsky do not meet anyone in Hinterkaifeck during a visit, so they go to the house because the little maybe kids not there. Sell, maybe, well, maybe. Well, it doesn't say that. They're, I wonder if that's supposed to be the school representatives. Maybe that's what. It and is. it translates as coffee for some reason. <laughs> Maybe regardless, <laughs> someone went to the house and nobody was there. That was between 12 p.m. and 2 p.m. Right. Late in the evening uh, or at night, the carpenter Michael Plokel walks past the Hunter Kaifeck property. He is blinded by a stranger with a flashlight and a fire is burning in the oven. 
So that oven, I looked that up. I was like, how the fuck could he see a fire in the oven? Apparently they have a they had a big outdoor oven. So like okay. yeah, nineteen twenty two Germany makes sense. A big outdoor oven that they they made stuff in and like heated up for different things. Like so it was just a big outdoor oven. Okay. It is uncertain to what extent the animals were looked after and the cows milked or or the cows milked until the bodies were actually discovered. So they this is where it gets fucking weird. This so now we're on day about. day two, supposedly, right. and no one knows that anyone's dead yet. Right. But there was somebody at the farm. And in, in, so what they're saying with that is, is that they're not sure if somebody was looking over the animals, even though they were dead inside. Right. You right. know what I mean? Exactly. Like, fucking weird. <clears throat> April 2nd, 1922, friends of Victoria want to pick them up for church service, but the uh, fine hinter effect abandoned, meaning nobody's home. Right. Um, the Grubers are missing in the church. A son of the farmer Sigel from Racklesbach wants to buy lard at Hunter Kaifak and doesn't meet anyone there. So again, this is a the, people so go there day, constantly. This is day three, right? And people are showing up to to see these people, and they're not getting any answers at the door. They don't see anybody. They can't find anybody. And they're it, it, they're it's probably a small town. They're they're a popular farm. People are going there to buy lard. They're going there to buy shit. It's an yeah. active farm, yeah. so they're doing shit. April third, nineteen twenty-two. The postman, Josef Meyer, uh, reports in 1952, quote, As usual, I put the newspaper in the kitchen window. The only thing that struck me was that I didn't see the pram, and a pram, by the way, is a uh, baby it's carriage. It's like a baby carriage, yeah. It's a baby carriage. In the kitchen, as it usually was when I walked this way. The kitchen door itself was half open. I would also like to say that I watched the child, who always rocked himself in the car, on my deliveries through the kitchen window. All right, so keep so, that in mind, too. So basically, he went... The baby carriage wasn't there like it normally was because when he would deliver the paper or the mail or whatever, he would see the baby in there and he would kind of keep it. He would take a look at him. He'd be like, hey, hey, baby. Baby. I'm working. <laughs> amazing reference. Amazing. Amazing reference. Roll the window down. Baby. Hey, baby. Shut up, man. I'm working. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god anyway dave Chappelle for anyone out there yeah um april 4th 1922 the fitter albert hoffner arrived at hunter kaifek on tuesday at uh, around 9 a.m to repair the cylinder head gasket on the four horsepower diesel engine which would be have to be a four horsepower it's probably a tractor Woo! yeah well back then you know yeah i know i would assume it's a tractor before oh, yeah. before yeah. that he talked to mayor gregor in wangan for about 30 minutes and informed him that he was on his way to hunter kaifek so he's got Somebody to um, corroborate. corroborate. The time. Yeah. <coughs> Since the garden door, presumably on the house garden, was locked, he went around the house to check on the residence. There he found the back door locked, looked through the kitchen and stall windows, and heard the barking of a dog inside the house and the roar of the cattle. All right. So there's the dog, and there's the cattle still. Yep. Afterwards, he waited about an hour near the house garden under an apple tree. For the, um, I love how it says the HK or yeah. the Hunter Kaifaker yeah. <laughs> to come back. <laughs> Basically, talking about. He's just waiting for someone to show up. Right. Talking about someone to, to return. Right. In the meantime, he whistled through his fingers a few times to attract attention. Because he couldn't wait any longer, he gained access to the engine shed, which basically means he broke into broke it. Broke in, yeah. On the north side of the building and <clears throat> repaired the engine for about four and a half hours. He testified that he sang. He's a good guy, though. He's like, yeah. you know what? I'm just going to get in there and do it. Yeah, like, fuck it. I'm here. You know what I mean? <laughs> Sorry I, I broke into your shed, yeah. but I fixed your engine. But I fixed your shed. We can fix the lock. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. He testified that he sang and whistled while he was working and then carried out a test run of the engine to draw attention to himself. <laughs> He's just out there like, hey, everybody. 
Somebody! <laughs> Somebody pay attention to me. Just so you don't think I'm breaking anything. <laughs> Please don't shoot me. Then he locked the door of the engine hut and then went through the house garden into the courtyard again. Only now did he notice that the barn door in all directions was open. He came within 10 feet of the door, uh, the open door, but did not enter the building. Then he walked along the uh, the that, house to the front door. That right there is fucked up. Yeah. That means that he didn't know, as in they were closed when he walked out there. And then when he walked back, they were fucking open. Is that what you're talking about? Well, that and he was 10 feet away from the barn door. He All he had to do was walk another 10 feet and oh, he would have yeah. seen. He would have seen it. Yeah. yeah. At the front door, he found the barking dog tied up. The front door was locked now, too. Now, about the dog here. So that, if you look at that, though, so basically that shit happened while he was barn door open, dog out front, tied up, front door locked. All that happened while he was fixing While he was working yeah. on it. So, so somebody was there while he was working. With the dead bodies. Correct. <laughs> it's fucking... Ugh. So the about the dog here, the yellow spitz is described as, quote, a good and watchful dog. This is from the neighbor Paul or a, uh, quote, very watchful dog from Siegel, another one of the neighbors who was locked in the stable every evening. On um, April 4th, the witnesses found the dog in the stable, but with one injured eye. He was disturbed and aggressive towards anyone who approached him. After the death of Hinterkaifer, Hinter uh, I, I love how it says Hinterkaifer. I know. Like, I don't know why they don't. I'm wondering if they do that because it's more than one person and they're using that as like the group, like the people that owned it. That yeah, lived there. like maybe as a whole. Yeah, yeah okay. I think that's kind of like odd that they that they did that instead of naming. But I guess. But but it also could be talking about the head of the household, too. Or, I mean, you, like if you think about it, though, like if you, you know, like if you citizens of a of a city or whatever, like the Henter Kaifecker could be they just referring to like as the denizens of the farm or the Henter yeah. Kaifecker. Okay. You know? Yeah, that's true. So the dog comes to lag because it uh, finds a new home there with a father of uh, a Jacob Gabriel, according to the Osborne file. So they, they sent the dog off to someplace else. and they, Another Gabriel, by the yeah. way. Jesus. Remember Carl Gabriel? Yeah. He comes so, back. There's so many Gabriels. Yeah, it's fucking weird. So Hoffner went back through the house garden to his bicycle. Then Hoffner is the guy that fixed the engine, by the way. So, right. So we're staying right, on right. this, which he must have parked on the north side of the building and left around 2.30 p.m. via Groburn. Or Gruburn, where he informed the sledge builder uh, daughters Victoria and Maria that the another engine Victoria another Victoria that the engine had uh, been made usable and that it was upon Hinterkaifect nobody was to be found. <laughs> so he went to Hinterkaifect nobody was there while he was fixing that. So Johann and Schlittenbauer stepson Joseph Dick are are then sent by Lauren Schlittenbauer about 250 meters to the Hinterkaifect farm. They do not meet anyone and return home. So again, it's not very far from them. 250 meters right. is not very far at all, right? That's that's three, that's six, five, 700 feet. About 700 feet, yeah. Meanwhile, Hofer continues to Kaifek to see Blasius Lebmeyer. On the way back, Hofer reported to Mayor Gregor in uh, Wingen that the <laughs> Hunter Kaif, <laughs> just the HKers, right? <laughs> the Hunter Kaifekers engine had been successfully repaired. So they're, they, Got the shit fixed. At 5.30 p.m., he then went home. He reached Pfaffenhofen around 7 p.m. in good. the evening. Nice. Thank you. Nice, yeah, I got that one, right? Yeah, that's feeling, feeling pretty. I'm feeling pretty ballsy about that. Yeah, that's a good one. So based on the statements made by the fitter, it can therefore be assumed that a person was either already in the yard at the time the fitter arrived or only from the south side while the fitter was busy repairing the engine has entered the building. So in other words, 
Either they were already they there. They were already there, or they came back while he was there. Or they showed up and he was out there, which, if you think about that, he could have easily been fucking taken out, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially if he was making noise, letting everyone know he was there. Yeah. Oof. According to this, this person <laughs> must have led the dog from the stable outside to the front door during the repair time between approximately 10 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. and tied it there and opened the western town gate. After the fitter left at around 2.30 p.m., the dog was led back into the stable and the barn gate was again barricaded from the inside. So the three men, Schlittenbauer, Pole, and Sigel, found the building around 5 p.m. So they went back around 5 and saw everything boarded up again and the right. dog was back in the back. And even though the, the mechanic guy was Left like, it. oh, it's wide yep. open, man. Yeah. Yep. So when Lauren Schlittenbauer's two sons returned from Hinterkaifeck after 3.30 p.m. without result, Lauren Schlittenbauer went to Hinterkaifeck together with his neighbors, Michael Pohl and Jacob Sigel, and his sons, Johan and Joseph Dick. <laughs> Sorry. Joe Dick. <laughs> Joe, Joe Dick. The men enter the barn. <clears throat> the sons stay outside in the yard. The three of them enter the building through the open door to the former engine house, not to be confused with the attached engine house. They have two separate engine houses. You fucking better not confuse I know, them. You don't confuse Don't you shit. dare. You don't do that. Jesus. That's right. How dare you? The next door to the barn is locked and must be broken into. Four bodies are then discovered in the barn. Lauren Schlittenbauer continues alone through the stable while Pole and Sigel leave the barn and go through the inner courtyard to the front door. In the bedroom and in the maid's room, they find the other corpses of little Joseph and the maid. After finding the bodies, Pole and Sigel leave the crime scene with Joseph Dick. Schlittenbauer waits in the house for the police to arrive. Mayor Gregor from... Wy That's a point of contention later, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me make sure you're taking notes, but... Perhaps. <laughs> Mayor Gregor from Wangen is notified and notifies the Hohenwart... <laughs> gendarmerie gendarmerie gendarmes are like uh i believe they're like uh like police type you know, okay all right gendarmes gendarmes the only reason i know that is from archer nice <laughs> talk about them really yeah i love that damn funny show. i haven't watched it forever another girl burner is sent to wadehofen to call the police in schrobenhausen see like they call like a grow burner that's somebody from Groburn. so i'm, I'm assuming right. the henter kaifecker it's just the citizens of from that particular yeah. okay that makes sense onlookers at this time visit the crime scene. So yeah, it's a all big of a sudden people just start showing up. They just start showing up. Ugh. 6 p.m. The police from Hohenwart and Mayor Gregor from Wangen arrive. Wangen. <laughs> at, uh, hey, let's see, what, 18, 15? <laughs> what is it? At, uh, at around, yeah, I think that's, that's going to be 1,800 hours to 1,500 hours maybe. It's six to, that doesn't make sense though, so I don't know. Yeah, so a telephone message reaches the Munich criminal police. The police from Schrobenhausen arrive in Hinterkaifeck. Um, they, they lock the crime scene. Onlowers can no longer enter and visit the murder site at will. So wait a minute. People were just walking in? Yeah, at first people were just like, like the onlookers were just like walking in to see what the fuck was going on. Through the crime scene? Yeah. Get the, what the fuck? What? Yeah. It's 1922 in Germany, dude. Oh, boy. All right, 930. The creepo drive from Munich to Hinterkaifeck begins. The six officers, two of them dog handlers, arrive in Grubern after midnight and go to the house of Mayor Gregor. At 2200, which would be approximately 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock. Yeah. The core commission from, I said approximately. No, it is 10 o'clock. <laughs> the core commission from Schrobenhausen <laughs> arrives. but does take. Yeah, yeah. But does not stay until the criminal investigation department from Munich arrives. So he fucking bounces out. Right. April 5th, 1922. So it, we're going on, by the way, this is four, five days now five after... Days. The suspected initial murder of the of the four. Right. 
In the early morning, the police. Police? police? You sound like my kid. My son says peewees. Like the peewees. <laughs> the, the police. In the early morning, the police officers. Fuck the police. <laughs> from Munich go to the crime scene. And, and he's just singing NWA. So if we have any police listeners out there, we appreciate you what you do. Yeah, no, yeah, that was just a song. Yeah, yeah, yeah just saying. He just said, yeah. fuck the police. And then just. Fuck New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, but fuck New Zealand. <laughs> there, the first interrogations take place. Schlittenbauer, Pohl, Sigel, Francisca Schaefer, which is the sister of Maria Baumgartner, Gazilia Steringer. Another fucking. Another what Gazillion. the fuck is with the name? Super dude. popular. I've name, never apparently. heard that name until this. Yeah, it's, it, and there's, there's like three people them. now. <laughs> there's like nine. And Bernhard Gruber are all um, inter- interrogated here. The five crime scene photos are taken. A possibly prepared crime scene sketch has not been preserved. Yeah, they're not really doing a good job with yeah, this. It's just, what the fuck? Which just that? adds to everything being they, fucking. I don't imagine they get this a whole lot. You know? I mean, probably not in 1922. Funny thing is, there's actually uh, there's a there's a suspect later uh-huh. that I would actually like to talk about. We might do a bonus episode on this guy. Nice. So. But it, it has something, it's basically, you say you don't see that very often, but we'll see later that it might be. Oh, shit. Yeah. All right. So April 6, 1922, on a, it will end in April 4th. All right, right? No. What? It says April 6th and July 4th. Or is it April 6th to July 4th? Hey, what the fuck? Ever? It says Thursday. I think it's supposed to, I don't know. I think they just got the dates fucked up. All right. I think it's supposed to be either the 6th, the 7th. I think it's four. I think it's supposed to be four seven. Because you know how they do. Well, no, we're like one of the only people that do like January third. A lot of times it's like the third January, January whatever. So yeah. I think that's seven March. Oh, so, okay. Or seven yeah, April. Seven April sixth and what you're seven saying. April. So so it's April seventh. They just and did 7th. one regular and one backwards yeah, on the dates. Fucking stupid. Yeah. Anyway, on a provisional table in the courtyard of the Hinterkaifeck estate, the Newburgh Regional Court doctor, Doctor Johann Bapt Emuller autopsied the six victims so he did it there in the courtyard yeah <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> well like, yeah yeah yeah. he Vic- just did the autopsies right just there. right then and there oh yep. jesus victoria gabriel kazila gruber and kazila gabriel will be autopsied on thursday andreas gruber little joseph and maria Baumgartner on friday a record of this autopsy cannot be found in the file still preserved today so they don't even have a record of the autopsy anymore Shit, it's almost 100 fucking years old. Jesus. Yeah, records of shit that was 100 years old all over the place. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's fucked up. April 8th, 1922, the transfer of the six victims. Yeah, right, exactly. (laughs) The transfer of the six victims in their coffins from Hinterkaifeck to Wadehofen did not take place until the morning of April 8th, 1922. Uh, This is according to J. Ludwig Hecker, uh, who in turn quotes a contemporary witness. The victims are buried. Oh, that was in 1951. Yeah, that's the other thing. A lot of these statements were taken like years later. Way after the fact. Because you'll see in some of the um, <clears throat> some of the uh, things with the uh, suspects, a lot of stuff like it'll go away and then it comes back years later. Like someone will bring up something and then they open up a, like another investigation. So a lot of these, a lot of the stuff that you're reading now about those dates came like way 30 later. years later. Way later, yeah. So the victims are buried in Wade Hofen uh, with great sympathy from the population. The Schrobenhausner, <laughs> Schrobenhausner Hockenblatt writes about the funeral in the edition of April 11th, 1922 as follows. Quote, after the judicial commission released the bodies of the six murdered after the dissection, the burial of the six victims could take place on Saturday. The number of participants who wanted to give the murdered their last escort was extremely numerous. 
3,000 people came from near and far. It was a harrowing sight when the bridge wagon with the six coffins drove up, accompanied by the entire school youth. After Pastor Haas had made the funeral at the southern entrance of the cemetery, the unfortunate victims of the crime were taken into a mass grave. Adults on the right and left, the two children in the middle, in moving words. Reverend, uh, wait, in moving words, Reverend Haas described the biblical story of Cain and Abel, what is terrible in God's eyes and how only a person who has no more faith in God in his heart can allow himself to be carried away to such a terrible deed because one did not shrink back from murdering innocent children. Immediately after the funeral, the first, is that first street or first it's saint? It's not street. First saint soul service for the murdered in the church. Um, it turned out to be too small to hold all those who suffer. So the church was too small for 3,000 people. Think about that. 1922. Dude, 3,000 people don't show up for anyone's funeral now unless it's a celebrity. Yeah, that's like wild. If you, like if my whole family got massacred, 3,000 people wouldn't come. Maybe a couple hundred. Yeah. You wouldn't be there. Yeah, I had like 200 people at my wedding, dude, and that was way too much. I, I could only imagine. Dude, that's what we had, like 150, 200. 3,000 people. Holy shit. That's a lot of people for, like, yeah. With this and especially, that... like you said, in 19, like, it's not easy to get places in 1922 at that right. point. And things over there were spread out pretty far. So for 3,000 people to show up, like, people were coming from all the fuck over. I mean, yeah, the mechanic rode a freaking bicycle. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like you pulled that's up in I'm, a freaking... Saying, yeah, yeah, it's 1922. Oh, man. So, uh, June 7th, 1922, the District Court of Schrobenhausen is dealing with the question of whether the Hinterkaifeck inheritance belongs to the Gruber family or the Gabriel family. Now, again, this is a pretty big plot of land and a big farm, so it's a lot of shit. One yeah. of the heirs, Bernard Gruber, Andreas's brother, has lived and managed Hinterkaifeck uh, since the deed has lived and managed. <laughs> he obviously has lived there and helped yeah. manage the, the, the since facilities. It ha since it happened. After it the happened. murders, he was there okay. taking care of the place. The two families in dispute finally agree out of court that the Gabriel family can buy the property from the Gruber heirs at special conditions. Probably cheaper. Yeah, basically they're expensive. like, look, we'll give it to you. You know, so like for, We could get nothing. this much for it, but we'll give it to you for right. this much. You know, The Gabriel family seems to have been interested in the acquired agricultural land and less in the buildings. In February to March of 1923, Carl Gabriel Sr. and his sons tear down the property with the help of neighbors. The well-hidden murder weapon, smeared with blood, and a rusted pocket knife are discovered. An allegedly bloody band iron is also found, which is not mentioned later. That's kind of fucked up. Parts of the building are being transported away for further use. So yeah, while they're destroying so this fucking place. This is, this is a, a fuck, two, two years later? No, a year later. A year later. Almost a year later, yeah. exactly. They found the fucking murder weapon. Yeah. Hidden. hidden. It was under someplace. it was under a fake floor in one of the buildings. So April 5th, 1925. So we're jumping to 1925. Yep. The teacher Hans, oh man, well that last name. Eblager. Eblager meets Lauren Schlittenbauer at the ruins, who bent forward on the cellar stairs and looked into the cellar. A fucking Schlittenbauer. Schlittenbauer, dude. dude. I'm telling you. Something sounds sounds stinky with Schlittenbauer. The basement. <laughs> That's just his name. <laughs> <laughs> the basement and foundation walls were still there in the cellar. Schlittenbauer reacted very shocked and said something here, the, here the hitherto unknown. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, dude, wait, how often do you read hitherto? How I often? Mean, how, no, I'm going to know. In your daily life, how often do you read hitherto? Once, twice an hour. You fucking asshole. <laughs> Hitherto unknown, allegedly attempts were made to dig one or two holes near the place 
where the corpses were found, perhaps to bury the corpses in them. Holy shit. So he made, he said something about that, but nobody else had known anything about that. That comes up later too. It'll like when, okay. when you talk it'll about come, him as a suspect, yeah. it'll come up in that too. So basically he goes about, over he and He makes looks. comments about how the ground at the time was too hard to dig holes. Oh, shit. Yeah. So 1926, uh, fire at Schlittenbauer, uh, which I'm going to assume, assume it means that there was a fire at his house. Right. It says fire, fire at Schlittenbauer. Right. Yeah, yeah. Which also burns papers that are related to Hinter Kaifak. Mm, convenient. According to a later testimony of Schlittenbauer, these papers also supposedly included the document in which Victoria Gabriel waived maintenance for her son, Joseph. Waived maintenance. Oh, in other words, that's So she said it. she basically, it was, it was basically like him side. Him signing over rights to the kid. Like, he, she acknowledged that he doesn't have to do anything to take care of the kid. Gotcha. It's okay. basically one of those things. Okay, yeah. gotcha. The fire damage is fully covered by the insurance. Of, of course, course it is. It is. <laughs> of course it is. March 30th, 1931, after some suspicions against Schlittenbauer have arisen, he is interrogated in Munich. This second interrogation reveals a number of contradictions, but these do not give the police any reason to investigate any further. May 22nd, 1941, Lauren Schlittenbauer, the Schlittenbauer, fucking dies. Okay. Yep. A few other things leading up to the murder that were reported, but some not substantiated here. Six months before the attack, the family made the, the, the maid quit, as we talked about earlier. Right. This is what I was the talking about. Maid, where, yeah. yeah. Where she quit and it, some things. She was talked about not happy things. about it. Right. So it has been widely claimed that her reason for leaving was that she had heard strange sounds in the attic and believed the house to be haunted but this is unsubstantiated. Nothing in her statement to the police suggests this. Andreas Gruber found a strange newspaper from Munich on the property on March That's what we were 1922. Before, yeah. Right. He could not remember, remember buying it, and thus Gruber initially believed that the postman had lost the newspaper. This was not the case, however, as no one in the vicinity subscribed to the paper. Just days before the murders, Gruber told neighbors he discovered tracks in the fresh snow, like we talked about, that led from the forest to a broken door lock in the farm's machine room. But there was no footprints out. So so basically, I read something else, um, and I'm not sure if it's in here or not. Um, I know we talk about more like noise. Basically, they talk about hearing, uh, hearing stuff in the attic, which we'll talk about a little bit more coming up. So this was six months before this, though, when that maid quit. She had said she didn't tell the police this but accordingly she told other people that she had heard noises in the attic and that's why she quit because she was afraid right right so she didn't tell the police or anything this but this is what she was telling other people apparently right so six for six months possibly possibly longer there was maybe somebody living in that attic right and that's what this comes down to is that um so later during the night they heard footsteps in the attic but gruber found no one when he searched the building Although he told several people about these alleged observations, he refused to accept help, and the details went unreported to the police. According to a school friend of the seven-year-old, Cecilia Gabriel, the young girl reported that her mother, Victoria, had fled the farm that the night before the act after a violent quarrel, and only hours later had been found in the forest. So, basically, what this is right. leading up to right now is that somebody... All signs lead that somebody was potentially living in their attic for or, at least six months. Or at least getting in their house, fucking with them in some way. For at least six months. So I guess, okay, so I guess I didn't put it in there either um, because I only, I must have only seen it in one or two spots. But I remember, I remember reading that um, where it says that he found the, the footprints in the snow leading up to the building and nothing leading out. Uh, I believe it was either that same night or somewhere around there. 
somebody saw like a person or they thought they saw a person like in a window up in the attic. Oh shit. And then when they went up there to look, there was nobody there. So it was one of like somebody had reported possibly seeing somebody in in the, the building in the attic. So right now everything's kind of like uh circumstantial. Right, there's not a whole lot of proof. Right. The only thing that they know for sure is that they found like well even that like he, he says that he found those tracks going to the building. And I think that there was proof basically that somebody tried to break in, like the locks were fucked up. But other than that, like there's not really any like concrete evidence of any of this actually happening. It's so fucked yeah. up. Yeah. God. All right. So now that we've talked about the timeline and everybody's heads out there about ready to just burst out of their ass, um, we're going to talk about the, uh, the, the, the murders themselves and, and the suspects, especially because that's what I can't wait to get into. Um, you know, we're, we're going to talk about the victims. Okay. So Victoria, uh, Gabriel, um, that's Vic, the, one of the Victorias. Right. Victoria. Uh, most of the threads, uh, they run towards Victoria, so her introduction is put in front here. Uh, Victoria was born in Hinterkai effect and grew up on the farm with two older half-siblings. In 1914, at the age of 27, she married the farmer's son, Carl Gabriel. A year and a half uh, years her junior. Oh, so, oh, she's a cougar. All right, all right. Who came from Hamlet, just a... 1.5 kilometers away. Nine months later, their daughter Cecilia Gabriel was born, but Gabriel, Carl Gabriel had already died in World War One. So she gave birth um, after the husband died. Right, that first husband. Right, right. In 1919, Victoria had an illegitimate child, Joseph Gruber, who was two and a half years old at the time of the crime. Then there's Cecilia Gruber. Cecilia Gruber came from uh, Gerolsbach and moved to Hinterkaifeck after her first marriage with Yosef Assam, as we talked about earlier. The two had four children together, of which only Martin Assam and Cecilia Assam survived childhood. You gotta remember, this is fucking bad. So this was You're, it's a this was the shoot. mom. This was Andreas's wife, right? Just right. So we're no, so we know where we're at, right? And but, but what I'm saying is, back then it was a crapshoot having kids. Oh yeah, you know I mean, I mean like you saw shit. the one, the one thing they were talking about. They had nine kids, and like five of them died or right. something. Right, that's yeah, basically, yeah. and they kind of were just hoping for the best when you. That's why they just cranked around. them out back then? Exactly. You have ten kids and hope like three of them live. Dude, my dad's the youngest of fourteen. That's fucking. You know dumb, what I mean? Dude, like, I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 Sorry, Dad, if you're out there. He's the youngest, though. So no, I'm not it. saying he's the. I'm he just saying, it. like, that shit, man. Yeah. Like, I have three and I want to kill myself. But there was a farm, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, dude, I think the time, uh, the, the age span between my 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 oldest uncle, I think my uncle's the oldest. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it might be one of my aunts. Anyway, I think it's like 25 years yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like a huge dif- difference. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, it's a different time, too. Right. After the death of her first husband in 1885, Cazilia Gruber stood alone with her two children and less than a year later married the servant, Andreas Gruber, who lived on the farm, who was nine years younger. Damn. Young dudes. She liked them. She liked them young guys. Victoria Gabriel was the only daughter together who survived childhood, which is funny that, you know, we're talking about um, an older lady dating younger dudes because normally it's the complete opposite. Mm -hmm. You're talking like 40 year old guys that are dating or marrying 16 year olds. You know what I mean? Like it was fucking weird. So when when she died, she was 72 and he was 63. So that's awesome. Good for her. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Good for her. Yeah. Andreas Gruber, who was 63. Andreas Gruber came from Grainstetten and worked as a farmhand until he married his widowed employer, Cecilia Assam in 1886. Andreas Gruber had an incestuous relationship with his daughter, Victoria. Ah, but, but it says both were convicted in a court so, case in uh, 1915. Uh, so basically, apparently, I think that um, they tried to say that he 
I mean, regardless of what you see, like she was like 15 or 16. So either way you slice it, she doesn't know what the fuck she's doing anyways. But basically they said that it was his fault, but they both got convicted, meaning that she was a part of it willingly. She allowed it to happen. Right. Get the, what the fuck? That's, that's why they would have convicted her. Where's the boo at? (laughs) That's why they would have convicted her for something, even though she was young, because basically that's saying that they were doing it willingly but dude if she's that fucking you don't do anything willingly when you're fucking 16 dude like that's not something you're stupid when you're 16 he he had way more to do with it than she did not only that that's your fucking kid exactly anyway she's not she doesn't yeah i'm whatever yeah Mm -hmm. so cecilia gabriel this is the youngest one the seven-year-old silly was also murdered as we talked about she attended school in wadehofen and grew up in hinterkaifeck without a father Josef gruber um, let's see here. Even when he was born, Yosef was the subject two, of arguments. Two and a half years old, he fucking... Yeah. Uh, two and a half? Oh. That's how old he was. Little toddler. Yeah, it's oh, fucked up, dude. Fucking hell. My son's three. So, yeah. Ugh. Ugh. I don't know how you can do that, man. No. The reason was publicly, uh, publicly expressed doubts about his paternity, so they didn't know who his father was, whatever. The widowed neighbor, uh, Lauren Schittenbauer, wanted to marry Victoria Gaber. <laughs> that fucking guy. Schittenbauer. Did I say Schittenbauer? <laughs> At this point, he's Schittenbauer, all right? Now, we don't know. We're judging right now. It's Schittenbauer, sorry. Fuck that guy. Right. Well, he wanted to marry Victoria Gabriel and start an affair with her in 1918, as we talked about earlier, because he's a fucking twat. When the marriage did not take place, he was supposed to pay alimony as his biological father, as Yosef's biological father, he accused Andreas Gruber of being the real father of Yosef. Because of several withdrawals of his testimony, Lauren Schlittenbauer had become unsuitable as a witness, and the subsequent process ended with an acquittal. Um, it says maintenance payments were settled out of court. Is it just like court costs? Is that what that is? I have no idea. Maintenance, maybe maintenance payments were what they consider like child support or something. Oh, oh, I don't know. Maintenance payment, whatever. Uh, Maria Baumgartner, she's the maid here. Uh, she was 45. The 45-year-old maid, Maria Baumgartner, arrived at Hinterkaifeck hours before the crime. Think about that shit. Yeah, yeah she was there for a couple hours and... Fuck. Oh, my I'd be God. Like if somebody came in here right now and just started killing everybody, like, I've only been here for a couple hours. Oh, my God. Huh. <sighs> no, no idea what was coming. Yeah, her life has been characterized by exclusion and hard work. She was slightly mentally retarded, and this is what it says in the notes here, folks. So please don't get upset with me. Uh, it says mentally retarded, and we'll say mentally handicapped. We'll we'll say that, right? Sure. And a shortened leg made walking difficult. Oh. Shortened leg. Poor lady. Her sister said the following: "Quote: My sister was a literally mentally little mentally limited, had a short foot, and therefore a limping gait." That's what her sister had to say about her. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Times they've changed. Can you imagine if you said that about somebody yeah. today? Ah, he's a little mentally limited. Got a short foot. Yeah, he's an idiot. That was probably one of the reasons why she was passed around and not uh, had not been employed for weeks after uh, Candlemas. Uh, the position in Hinterkaifeck was ultimately arranged through a v- uh, Verdinger. What's a Verdinger? I don't know. I didn't look it up, but given context, I assume it was like kind of like a job, like a broker, like a placement type deal. Like she went to somebody to find her a job and they were like, here you go. Or like somebody that owned like a, like a maid company or something like that. Like they own, you know what I mean? So this is what they think happened here. All right. They think uh, putting all these pieces in whatever of the puzzle that uh, in the late evening, Victoria Gabriel, her seven year old daughter, Cecilia and her parents, Andreas and Cecilia, 
uh, were lured, 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 Jesus, lured <laughs> to the family barn through the stable where they were then murdered one at a time. The perpetrator or perpetrators used a, with the, the hoe thing we were talking the about. Yeah, the root, root hoe, which is similar to an, uh, is that what is it? Ads. Ads. Uh, no murder weapon was available between April 1922 and February 1922, like we talked about. Uh, but it was so close because it was in the bottom of the thing. And um, so this is basically just reiterating what they're saying in here. So the examination so, and forensic medicine. Real quick, if shown, you look, it says a false floor in the attic. Oh, shit. I so didn't see that So the murder weapon part. was found in the attic. Where somebody Where, was fucking uh, supposedly Supposedly all this shit was going on. Yeah. Ah, dude. There's those goosebumps. Love it. Love it. So anyway, the examination. Um, well, well, hold on. Let me go back to it real quick. Uh, the false floor in the attic there under a board. The blood smeared uh, Ruto was found just uh, as the yard was being torn down. The examination in forensic medicine had shown that it was the murder weapon. In addition to blood, hair from humans and animals had also been found on it. My God. The tool itself had some noticeable properties that were consistent with the injury patterns. Prosecutor Ferdinand Renner will write the following about this pe peculiarity. In his report on uh, October of 1923, quote, This is an old blood-stained reed hoe in which the hoe is strangely attached to the handle by means of screw. So did they not do that back then? I guess, like, if you look at usually they weren't screwed in. They were just kind of, kind of like the handle was pounded into the oh, okay. into the thing. But this one, if you looked at the pictures, it's it comes onto the, the shaft and then there's, like, screw. It, it's almost weird. It looks like just a one big piece of thread. That goes through the whole thing with a nut on either side, and it sticks out maybe about an like inch. Like a big or so. ass bolt that goes through it, right? But there's no like bolt head. It's just like a piece of thread. Like if you cut the head off of like a maybe a three or four inch bolt, okay, and just put that piece of thread through, and then put a nut on either side. No shit. And so it sticks out about an inch or so on either side of the handle. Says the screw protrudes about <clears throat> one centimeter above the screw nut. <laughs> this screw apparently caused the previously puzzling injuries. Pencil-sized round holes on the skulls of the murdered people during the blows with the pick. The pick was found carefully hidden in the attic of the house, end quote. The perpetrator moved into the living quarters where, with the same murder weapon, he killed Yosef sleeping in his bassinet and Baumgartner in her bedchamber. They were all beheaded. Yeah, none of them had heads. Fuck, man. That's, dude, like, usually when you see something like that, like, beheading is an angry thing. That's brutal. That's just absolutely brutal. Somebody's pissed off at something. Yeah. That's that's not like a crime of passion. That's, that's not an easy thing to do. We talked about that. Yeah. It's not easy to fucking take someone's head off, man. <sighs> so, obviously, you know, we said four days passed between the murders and the discovery of the bodies. On April 1st, The it was coffee sellers. So, he was, it, a, yeah. It, okay. They were coffee sellers, yeah. Uh, Hans Shurovsky uh, and Edward Shurovsky uh, arrived at Hunter uh, Kaifek to place an order. And when no one responded to the knocks on the door in the window, they walked around the yard but found no one. Yeah, you know, basically reiterating what they're saying right here. Yeah. Um, let's see. We talked about that part there. Inspector George. Is it George Yorg? Where am I at? Uh, down a little bit further. Inspector George Ringgruber and his colleagues yeah, yeah, from the yeah, Munich yeah, Police yeah. Department investigated the killings. Initial investigations were hampered by the number of people who had interacted with the crime scene. Yeah, it's fucking ridiculous. Hold on. Moved bodies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking Schittenbauer. Dude, the, I, I don't know if it says it. I, I'm pretty sure I put it in here somewhere. But apparently, like, dude, Schittenbauer went in there and, like, moved the bodies. Like, he rolled one of them over and, like, dragged it out of the way to get to, like, like shit was all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, the next door neighbor, Schittenbauer? Schittenbauer, yeah. Fucking Schittenbauer. Yeah, he was fucking with the fucking bodies. Fucking asshole. Yeah, it's, yeah. I think it's in here somewhere. 
So yeah, have yeah. Right, People so were fucking with it. It's ridiculous. It'd be like if me and you went to a murder scene and we're just like poking around, moving shit. What the fuck? Yeah, dude. So with no clear motive to be gleaned from the crime scene, the police began to formulate a list of suspects. Despite repeated arrests, no murderer has ever been found and the files were closed in 1955. Nevertheless, the last interrogations took place in 1986 before... Hold on, you, you didn't finish the rest of that either. You stopped at moved the bodies and items around. And yeah. you, didn't, you didn't finish the rest of that. It oh, says shit. moved the bodies. Oh, did I miss that? Yeah. Moved bodies and items around and even cooked and ate meals in the kitchen. What? Yeah. Hold, hold on. Let me get back up to that. I'm, how did I miss all that? I don't know. You missed a shitload of it. What the fuck? Sorry, folks. <laughs> you missed a lot, actually. I don't even know where the fuck you started reading. Hey, oh, you missed like a whole paragraph. The rest that? of that paragraph and a whole other paragraph. Oh, there it is. Uh, but, uh, autopsy, oh, yeah. Did the autopsies in the barn. Okay, it was established that a medic was the most likely murder weapon through the weapon itself was not on the scene. Evidence showed that the younger Cecilia had been alive for several hours after the assault. She had torn her hair out in tufts while laying in the straw. The skulls of the victims were removed and sent to Munich where they were further examined. Oh my, what the fuck? The police first suspected the motive to be robbery and they interrogated traveling craftsmen, vagrants, and several inhabitants from the surrounding villages. When a large amount of money was found in the house, they abandoned this theory. It was clear the perpetrator or perpetrators had remained at the farm for several days. Someone had fed the cattle, eaten the entire supply of bread from the pantry, and had recently cut meat from the pantry. What the shit? Yeah, so basically, whoever did it killed them and then stayed there. Either stayed there or kept coming back or doing whatever. With with six dead people just, just hanging out. Yeah. And then these fucking idiots, the the onlookers come in there and just fucking cooked meals. Dude, they, they, yeah, yeah. That's fucking ridiculous. It's like, ah, it's lunchtime. Let's just make some food. <laughs> With fucking dead bodies over there. Oh, my God. Yeah. Germany. What the fuck? Just saying it. Yeah. I'm just saying it. So let's talk about some inconsistencies here, right? So in the- Hold on. Hold okay, on. Wait. You didn't finish the thing because there's a huge word that I want you to say. I know. I was trying to avoid that. Nah, you got to- Fuck. <laughs> So, nevertheless, the last interrogations took place in 1986. All right. So, that's 1986, which is, you know, pretty recent. Before Kriminalhauptkommissar, I got that, Conrad Mueller. It was pretty good, dude. Thank you. Kriminalhauptkommissar. I feel like that's right. There are commissars in town. Yes. Uh I feel like I got that right. I'm not mad at this. So again, let's talk about the inconsistency here. In uh, the inspection report of the court commission, it was noted that the victims were probably drawn to the barn by restlessness in the stable, resulting in noises from the animals. So in other words, somebody was out there and causing some shit, and so they went out to inspect it, right? right. That's what they're thinking here. Right. A later attempt, however, revealed that at least human screams from the barn could not be heard in the living area. So basically, what it sounds like is... You're not hearing shit out there. They're saying that... They were inside, heard some commotion out of the barn, and went out there to check it out. But they're also saying that later, upon later inspection, you couldn't even hear somebody scream from the barn. So the chances of them going out there to because they heard something are pretty slim. They were forced out there for sure. Whoever yeah, did this or lured out there somehow. Yeah. On the night after the crime, these are inconsistencies again. We're talking about on the night after the crime, three days before the bodies were discovered, their artesian Michael Plokel happened to pass by Hinterkaifeng. Plokel observed that the oven had been heated by someone. That person had approached him with a lantern and blinded him, whereupon he hastily continued on his way. 
Cloakle also noticed that the smoke from the fireplace had a disgusting smell. This incident was not investigated, and there were no investigations conducted to determine what had been burned the night in that oven. Ooh. Ooh. You never know. Ooh. Who knows what it was? Could have been another fucking person. Oh, what the fuck? On April 1st at 3 a.m., the farmer and butcher Simon... What the fuck? Ryblander? Uh, that, that is actually... Uh, the capital B like that is actually pronounced like a double S. Riseblander? Yes. Riselander. 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 <laughs> there could be only one. <laughs> On the way home near Brunin, saw two unknown <laughs> figures at the edge of the forest. When the strangers saw him, they turned around so that their faces could not be seen. Later, when he heard of the murders in Hinterkaifeck, he thought it possible that the strangers may be involved. So two people there, right? right. He's saying he saw two. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. In the middle of May 1927, a stranger was said to have stopped, uh, have stopped a resident of Wadehofen at midnight. He asked questions, uh, asked him questions about the murder and then shouted that he was the murderer before he ran into the woods. The stranger was never identified. What the fuck? Someone's just going to come up and be like, hey, guess what? That could just be somebody fucking around. Like, so what do you know about the murders? And then like some fucking punk or whatever, he just runs away. He's like, I did it, you motherfuckers. You'll never catch me. Yeah. Yeah. What a dumb shit. But you never know. All right. So let's talk about the suspects here. All right. Again, this is a crazy fucking story that's been going on for a hundred fucking years. So first, let's talk about Carl Gabriel. This was the husband Right. That died in the war. Victorious husband that died in the war. Right. So so the first one is kind of weird here, as uh, he was reported to have died in the First World War in 1914. He was supposedly killed in a shell attack on Arras, France. There are also reports that his body was never found. After the murders, people began to speculate if he indeed died in the war. Victoria Gabriel had given birth to Joseph or Joseph illegitimately in her husband's absence. Two-year-old Joseph was rumored to be the son of Victoria and her father Andreas, who had an incestuous relationship that was documented in court and known in the village, as we've discussed. Mm-hmm. Fucking gross. There are even reports from after the Second War World War that captives from the Schrobenhausen region who were released prematurely from Soviet captivity claimed that they had been sent home by a German-speaking Soviet officer who claimed to be the murderer of Henter Kaifecht. Ooh, fuck. Oh, my God. Later on, some of these men changed their stories, which brought their credibility into question. Some theorize that the man who released these men were actually Carl Gabriel, since there were no, or since there were witnesses that had claimed Gabriel had started. Uh, he wanted to go, or, said, or he said he wanted to he go. He stated that he wanted to go to Russia. Stated, stated. Yeah, to start, to start. That was my fault. Okay. Stated that he wanted to go to Russia after the first war, uh, first war, but then again, as early as April 1922, the police were investigating the death of Carl Gabriel. One wanted to rule out that he had returned and committed the sixfold murder. So they're saying, uh, based so basically on, what they're saying. So the the early reports are that people think that it was people were thinking that it was Carl Gabriel because the the reports were that his body was never found but he supposedly died in World War One, And then later on, reports came out that um, even though he was, in, even though this was investigated earlier, reports came out as late as World War II that there was somebody claiming to be the, killer. the murderer at Hinterkaifeck. But was helping people. He was German, but he was working for the Russians. And then there were people that had claimed, well, yeah, because just Carl, Carl fucking Gabriel said he wanted to go to Russia after the First World War and get the hell out of Dodge. 
So based on the death notification in the Schrobenhausener Wolkenblatt dated December 29th, 1914, the Central Office for War Losses and War Graves was contacted, which confirmed the burial of Carl Gabriel on May 2nd, 1922 in a French military cemetery, which is only, what, a couple months before the murders took place? Yeah. Yeah. Just fucking kind of weird. Yeah. Several war comrades testified to the death of Carl Gabriel. It seems that this theory is one of those false rumors and theories going around, even though it is a pretty cool premise. I mean, that would be, think about that. Like he faked yeah, his death and came movie. back and fucking just, just got rid of Took everybody. Took out the family because he, his wife had a kid with her dad and like, yeah, dude, that's like, that's like a fucked up movie. Right that's, that's a good movie. Yeah. If, if we had money, Moody. I know. So many movies we could make. I got, I think I got like three bucks left in my pocket. That's not going to do much. The high life kind of broke me. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about Lauren Schittenbauer. Fucking Schittenbauer. Schittenbauer. Police interrogated Lawrence twice, once shortly after the murders in 1922 and again in 1931. Schittenbauer alternately, uh, alternately recognized and revoked the paternity of Josef Gruber, who was born out of wedlock because he had a relationship with the murdered Victoria Gabriel in 1918 because he's a piece of shit. A marriage he wanted was prevented by Andreas Gruber. In 1926, motive. The, yeah, for sure motive. In 1926, the house of Schlittenbauer family, uh, the house of the Schlittenbauer family was completely destroyed by fire, like we talked about earlier. During this fire, the confirmation that was given to him by Victoria Gabriel and freed him from all obligation towards Josef uh, Gruber is said to be burned. Since uh, Jacob Sigel called Lauren Schlittenbauer the murderer of... Oh, oh Sigel called him that? So yeah. Sigel, one of the neighbors... Accused has accused Schlittenbauer right. being the murder of Hinterkaifeck. The two of them came to an atonement negotiation in which Jacob Siegel was sentenced to a payment of 40 marks. Hey, I'll give you 40 bucks if you don't say shit. Basically, he he basically sued him for slander. Right. Is what Schittenhauer accused him and sued him for slander, and Siegel was like, fine, here's 40 fucking dollars. Shut up. That's fucked up. According to all mystery, there is even said to have been a civil trial in which Siegel is said to have incited Lauren Schlittenbauer's son, Johann Schlittenbauer, to perjury. So that, oh, he's saying his son freaking lied for him. Mm -hmm. Oh, shit. Yeah. Lauren Schlittenbauer appears in the files as a suspect from time to time. When Schlittenbauer and his friends came to investigate, they had to break a gate to enter the barn because all of the doors were locked. However, immediately after finding the four bodies in the barn, Schlittenbauer apparently unlocked the front door with a key and suspiciously entered the house alone. A key to the house had gone missing several days before the murders. Mm. Though it is also possible that Schlittenbauer, as a neighbor or as Victoria's potential lover, might have been given a key. Which, okay, I mean, it's possible. All right, you know, I'll, I'll give him the benefit of that doubt. When asked by his companions why he had gone into the house alone when it was unclear if the murderer might still be there, Schlittenbauer allegedly stated that he went to look for his son, Yosef. Regardless of any of the above uh, rumors, it is unknown or it is known that Schlittenbauer had disturbed the bodies at the scene, thus potentially compromising the investigation. So he went in there with people around him and was like fucking shit up while he was in there. Yeah, this is what I was talking about. Like he went in there and like moved fucking bodies around and yeah, he, yeah, fuck that guy. For many years after, local suspicion remained on Schittenbauer because of his strange comments, which were seen as in, uh, indicating knowledge of details that only the killer would have known. According to reports in the files for the case, local teacher Hans, fucking, a Yee Blagger, is that right? Yee Blagger? 
with a Y. E Blagger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Discovered Schlittenbauer visiting the remains of the demolished Hinterkaifeck in 1925. Upon being asked why he was there, where are you? Huh? What? Where are you right now? <laughs> I'm, I'm in the studio. Where are you? I just realized that there's like. I didn't pass anything up. No, you didn't pass anything up, but I just realized that like. Where, hold on. Where are you right now? Moody, are you high? No, maybe. Oh, I see what happened. Never mind. Sorry. I'm an idiot. God damn. So, right, hold on. <laughs> Keep going. So Keep he going. asked him. So E. Blagger or Yai Blagger, whatever his name is, asked um, Shittenblower why he was there, right? You all right over there? Yeah, dude. For some reason, I went away and came back and it went back to the beginning. I'm like, how did that get in this part? That's why I couldn't find where you were because I was all the way back at the fucking beginning. Sorry. Well, Schlittenbauer here stated that the perpetrator's <laughs> attempt to bury the family's remains in the barn had been hindered by the frozen ground. Remember, we were talking we were about talking the cellar about earlier. And, right. Yeah. He made the comment that nobody else had known and like detectives hadn't seen anything. And yeah. So. Well, this was seen as evidence that Schlittenbauer had intimate knowledge of the conditions of the ground at the time of the murders. Although being a neighbor and a familiar with the local land, he may have been making an educated guess. Another. Excuses yeah. Me. Another speculation was that Schlittenbauer murdered the family after Victoria demanded financial support for young Josef. Before his death in 1941, Schlittenbauer conducted and won several civil claims for slander against persons who described him as, quote, the murderer of Henter Kaifeck. I mean, so far he seems to be like, but, but, but there thinking, was, here's so my there's thing. a lot of inconsistencies in what he said. And there were some things that he said and did that are really shady but it seems like most of it can be explained away. Okay, before so, we, we go on to the next ones here, I'm just going to, this is my kind of, I don't want to say hypothesis, but my, uh, I guess, possible whatever. What if the reason he was staying at the house, let's just say he went to the house and he was there for six months back and forth. Yeah. You know? Right. That was his son. Sure. Or, or at least he thought. Yeah. And what if he was trying to be with his son and talk to the wife at the same time who was like, eh, not really paying attention and shit just got out of control. And that's when he decided to wipe everybody out. Like he was hanging out there with Victoria and his kid because right. even though Andreas was like, no, we don't want you around kind of right, thing. Right. So he's hiding, hiding in the attic. Sure. Yeah. I mean, he there, had access. There's motive. Yep. Hmm. Yep. The next is we have the Gump brothers. She's gum. She's gum. She's gum. <laughs> Is in my head. <laughs> so in 1941, an elderly neighbor, Crescentia Mayer, uh, made a deathbed confession to her priest that her brothers Adolf and Anton Gump were responsible for the Hinter Kaifek murders. Gump. What? Yeah. Yeah. Apparently Adolf. I, I don't know. I didn't know about this part. Oh, there's a lot that you're not going to know about probably. Oh, man. Apparently Adolf, the eldest brother, had been in an intimate relationship with Victoria. Victoria was kind of a, let, let's be honest. She's a hoe. She, she, she kind of got around a little bit. Apparently. She's banging her dad and everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> well, they became violently, he became violently angry <laughs> when he found out about the incestuous ah, relationship. See, everyone hates incest. <laughs> It was claimed that Adolf and Anton had murdered Victoria and Andreas as the result of this. However, the uh, they murdered the other household members to ensure that there would be no chance of witnesses that could reveal their crime. This deathbed confession of the brothers' guilt was not investigated until 11 years later. At this time, they found that Adolf had been dead for eight years and that Anton was an, uh, an elderly pensioner who ambigu un unambiguously 
ambiguously fucking words. I'm sorry. <laughs> Unambiguously. Fuck. <laughs> I can't do it. Who denied any involvement in the murders? Unambiguously. That's what I said. Despite this, Anton was still arrested, but later released without any charges after spending three weeks in custody. So they had him in there. They picked him up, checked everything out, and then let him go. Oh, my God. See, that's the thing, though. It was a deathbed confession. Deathbed confessions can be taken, like, those can be used in court as legal evidence against somebody. They can be legally binding. Yeah. Which is crazy that you can do that. Because if anything, like, you're dying. Like, I'm going to be like, I am an alien. You know what I mean? And just be dead and be like, oh, my God, he really is. So in the winter of 1919 to 1920, Peter Weber, that's who we're talking about here, worked as an unskilled worker in an ammunition plant in Deshing near Koshing, which is also Ingolstadt for the builder Spring. You guys find that? You guys get it? You follow me on this? Yeah, dude. All right, good. Deshing, Kirsching, Ingolstadt, and Spring. Thank you. Sounds like, a, like a German law firm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, welcome. Welcome with Dashing, Koshing, Ingolstadt, and Spring. What, are you having problems? Do you like my mustache? <laughs> you like, do, <laughs> do you like the mustache? No? Okay, get out. He shared his room with Josef Betts. According to Betts, Weber spoke of the uh, secluded farm and even knew that it was owned by an elderly couple who had their daughter and grandchildren living with them. Grandchildren slash child. Oh, God. <laughs> Betts testified in court that Weber had suggested murdering Andreas for the family's money, but when Betts didn't respond, Weber never spoke of it again. According to Betts, Weber is said to have traded in worn military clothing, women's clothing, and tobacco in addition to his labor. The case was dropped, and Weber was never convicted of the murders. Okay, so let's let's talk about him real quick. So, so he did one of those like, hey, man, you know what we should do? We should go kill those people for their money. And the other dude was like, eh. and he was like, yeah, yeah, I was just kidding. Anyway. Yeah, I was just joking. Yeah, I just wanted to see what you'd say. Yeah, but they said they found a bunch of money in the house. Yeah, exactly. And if the killer was in the house, he would have taken. The they money. would have taken the money. So Absolutely. yeah, okay, this guy's out in my opinion. He's out. All right. So Carl S. and Andrea or Andreas S., which would be the wait, who is that? That's Carl, Carl and Andreas S. It's new people. You don't know these. Oh, people. it's new people. Yeah, oh, you don't, we don't know. We never met these people yet. I don't know all the fucking names, but they're the all Carls the same. and Andreases, and they're, yeah, it's all the, the same. Fuck. Right? In 1971, there weren't uh, a lot of names back in 1922 Germany, dude. Pick three, pick three names out of a hat for every. You know what kid. though? That's what they did back then. It was, it was a, like dads named their kids. It was a lot of juniors and all that because it was like carry on the family fucking name, dude. Yeah, but this is every family has at least one of these names in it. Yeah, well, yeah, they in, weren't very creative. <laughs> in 1971, a woman named Therese T wrote a letter citing an event in her youth. At the age of 12, she witnessed her mother receiving a visit from the mother of the brothers Carl and Andreas S. The woman claimed that her sons from Saddleburg were the two murderers of Hinterkaifeck. The mother said, quote, Andreas regretted that he lost his penknife. Oh. Remember, they, they found. That's right. They found that knife. When they dug it up, they yeah. found another weapon in a, in a, in a, oh. a knife. In the course of the conversation. In fact, when the farm was demolished, like we said in 1923, a pocket knife was found that could not be clearly assigned to anyone. However, the knife could have easily belonged to one of the murder victims. This track was followed without result. Krasins Reiger, the former maid of Hinterkaifeck, she's the one that quit. She's the one that quit. Was certain she had already seen the pen knife in the yard during her service. Oh, so she's uh, saying that she, the knife was already. It was somebody must have dropped it or whatever. She's she, seen she, that. she recognized the knife. She recognized it. Yeah. Okay. Next, we have the Bickler brothers. 
Ah, uh, the Beckler brothers. Yes, you know, the Beckler brothers. It's, the former maid. Is, I think Cre- this one's pretty fucking. This one's weird, I think. <laughs> the former maid, Krizenz Riker, who we talked about, same, the one who quit. Same one, yeah. Right? Worked from November 1920 to about September 1921 in Hinterkaifeck. She suspected the brothers Anton and Carl Bickler to have committed the murders. Anton Bickler had helped with the uh, potato harvest on Hinterkaifeck and therefore knew the premises. Riker said Bickler talked to her often about the Gruber and Gabriel family. Anton reportedly suggested that the family ought to be dead. Jesus. <laughs> the maid also emphasized, uh, emphasized in her interrogation that the farm dog who barked at everyone never barked at Anton. In addition, she reported uh, speaking with a stranger through her window at night. The maid believed that it was Carl Bickler, the brother of Anton. She thought that Anton and Carl Bickler could have committed the murder together with George Siegel, who had worked at Hinterkaifeck and knew of the family fortune. Supposedly, Siegel had broken into the home in November 1920 and had stolen a number of items, though he denied it. He did state that he had carved the handle of the murder weapon when he was working at Hinterkaifeck and knew that the tool would have been kept in the barn passage. Oh. So remember how it was fastened weird? Yeah. It's because he had to make a new handle for it, I guess. Oh, boy. So he just fastened it however he could. For his part, Carl said the following about the accusations in his statement to the police. The night from March 31st to April 1st, uh, uh, first 20 yeah oh, i don't 20. i don't know i'm gonna say 1922 right that's, yeah, I mean, that's yeah. probably what it is i stayed in the berg mueller <laughs> inn in ath <laughs> ath athagenberg <laughs> althenenberg i think i think the g is silent athagenberg whatever i think the g is i think it's althenenberg that's what it is fine fucking rehearsals had taken place repeatedly beforehand <laughs> from a play organized by the master carpenter peter in althagenberg which was performed on April 9th and 17th, in which I participated at Peter's insistence. I don't know whether a rehearsal was held in the night from March 31st to April 1st, in which I participated. But almost every day, I went with the builder, Michael Huber, from Gut Lindehof after work around 6 and a half a.m. I love that, 6 and a half a.m. Mm-hmm. 6.30 a.m., or would that be quarter after 6? Six? 6 and a half. That's 6.30. 6.30, okay. With, okay. with him and all 6.15, it'd be 6 and a quarter. Yeah, you're right. What do you, what? Jesus. Duh, that's what I fucking said. God. Him and Athgerberg no. to uh, Big Mueller's Inn. Both Big Mueller and the local waitress, Tina, can confirm my information. <laughs> ah, Tina knows. Tina, you know Tina. Fucking Tina. Fucking everyone, Tina. Everyone, everyone knows Tina. Everyone knows fucking Tina. She can back me up. Everyone's probably fucking Tina. <laughs> oh. The murdered in Hint- <laughs> Hinterkaifeck. That's the first time I fucked that up, by the way. Um, except the servant I have known personally. I helped uh, with the potato harvest there in autumn 1919. The domestic conditions were so well known to me that I only knew about the living room, kitchen, and stables. The other rooms were not known to me. It is correct that I knew that the murdered were wealthy and that they also had gold money, which I learned in the economy and from other people. I found out about the murder from the newspaper. I have no suspicion of the perpetrator or accomplice, accomplice or instigator. So that's what he says. Right, 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 right. That's what he's saying so far. There's he's more. There's was, more to what he's saying. Okay. But yeah, that's basically. But he's saying he was off doing something. He's like, else. look, I was there for this point in time. I helped with the harvest. I knew about the house. I knew they had a shitload of money. I knew everybody there except for the the maid. But, but I, I was no off idea. doing something. I have no idea what the fuck happened, and I just heard about this in the paper. The information held before me. Uh, this is him going on. The information held before me, according to which I would have commented. Oh, I don't know what that means. Yeah, I don't know what that was. How about if one broke into Hinter... Oh, this is his uh, his uh, little idea of what he thinks happened? I guess, yeah. How about if one broke into Hinterkaifeck, one would have to put away the old Gruber and the women would give us the money are untrue. 
What? Oh, because again, German right. folks, right. German translate, yeah, translation. Yeah, the translations are yeah. weird. I didn't need a statement like that, but I said that the money from the people behind the scenes would be fine. You wouldn't have to work anymore. Such remarks were not only made by me, but also by other people, said in particular the single butcher Andreas Kasper von Weidhofen, uh, 25 years old, once in the apartment of the master, master baker Land, <laughs> Lang in Weidhofen. God, quote, I would already know where the people from Hanter Kaifik get their money. That I would have asked someone to steal the money with me in Hintercoffrick does not correspond to the facts. So he's basically saying, like, listen, I could have fucking taken... Yeah, yeah, I could have just gone in there, done what I did. The fact that people are saying that I had an account, like, whoever, like, if I would have needed an accomplice makes no sense to me. Like, like basically, whatever you guys are accusing me of makes absolutely no sense. You guys get all that? (laughs) It's it's said (laughs) in a weird translate-y sort of way. Yes. That I would have said, quote, I don't work anymore. I'm no longer so stupid that I get my hands dirty. It has to go that way. And if I have to get my hands bloody, quote, I deny, especially the statement that I will make my hands bloody. It is correct that I have stated that I no longer want to get my hands dirty. I wanted to express that I was getting on with the trade back then with the potato trade. It is true that I was interested in a means that could be used to paralyze a dog. So... So, all right. So basically that last paragraph was saying that he had made a comment about how he doesn't want to get his hands bloody or dirty anymore. Because he, he's were tired taking, of working. He started being people, a potato farmer right, or whatever. People were taking yeah. that as, oh, he doesn't want to get his hands bloody anymore because he killed somebody. He doesn't. So basically they're saying that he did it for the money because he didn't want to be a farmer anymore. He didn't want to work. Right. And he's saying, know. I'm more so saying I'm just out. I, yeah. I don't want to do yeah. this anymore. Right, right, right. right. I frequented the Gutler's Rail in Reitel in Weidhofen, and I asked both of them whether they knew the means by which uh, one could make a dog inactive. This this is what people are... Because remember how the maid said that the dog would bark at everybody but him? Right. So they were saying that he drrugged the dog basically to make him docile. Oh. So then they were saying that he had acquired... I thought maybe the dog just liked him. That's why I was like, why are you trying to fuck with the dog, dude? Well, he likes you. Well, that's what they're saying is maybe the dog was... Maybe he was fucking with the dog, getting him to be docile so the dog wouldn't fuck with him. You know what I'm saying? So he could do this stuff without the dog barking and... So he could come back and the dog right. wouldn't... Okay. Right. All right. And so that like, so basically like when everything was going down, the dog wouldn't try to do anything... Because he was attacking its owners. It makes sense. But he would, you know what I mean? Yeah. So people were accusing him. And I guess there was proof or whatever that he was asking around about ways to, okay. to do that. So that's what this that is That makes about. sense. See, I, I took it the other way that the dog was actually like liked him. That's well, that's, like, what it, that's what it sounds like I'm at like, first. I'm like, why are you trying you to get, fuck with this dog, man? Yeah, that's what it sounds like. And then you get to this. I don't like people fucking with dogs. Anyway, it was not true that I had asked the shepherd of my employer at the time, Josef Greppemeyer, another fucking Joseph. God bless it. In yeah. Steinerskirchen. About such a means. On the other hand, the community shepherd of Eppenhofen, near Schroppenhausen, credibly with the first name Martin, told me that he could paralyze any dog. I asked this shepherd to reveal the remedy to me, but he answered me, not for a hundred or a thousand M? What is M? Marks. Marks. Oh, not for a thousand marks. So the guy just wouldn't tell him how to do it. Right. So he's he's admitting that he asked. Right. He's admitting that he asked about it, but... He's saying that the guy he asked about said, like, yeah, I could do it, but I'm not fucking doing it, basically. To this day, I have not had such a remedy in my hands, and I do not know of why. It cannot be explained to me that people are suspecting of murder or inciting or aiding and abetting me, since there are still enough people in uh, Wadehofen who have not worked all winter and drink in the inn almost every day without that they are wealthy or do business. So he's, okay, so what he's saying there is, he's saying that all these people are accusing him of doing it for the money and he's saying 
I don't know why people are accusing me of it when there's plenty of people that don't fucking work, but they're in the inn every day spending a shitload of money. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to skip so, down to this next part here. Yeah, so basically what he's saying is, why are you accusing me when, first of all, I actually work and I make money and there's all these other people in the inn don't that do don't shit. do shit, but they're spending money but like they, they money. fucking have a right. shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which makes sense. Right. I love how he does this. He, he throws this dude under the bus here. In my opinion, Bickler is a rascal. Yeah. He stole grain from his father and then sold it. I trust those named here do this uh, to do this, and I ask that they survey uh, that this survey be initiated against them. I firmly deny that I committed the murder or participated in it in any way, or that I incited anyone to do it. Nobody approached me either to inquire about the situation in Hinterkaifeck. I would like to mention that the Thaler brothers in in Hutterkunt. Wait, I'm sorry. Let me back this up. I would like to mention that the Thaler brothers in Unterkaifeck. Right. Which if is not hinter hinter effect is behind unter means under so that's under kaifek. <laughs> yeah, just so you know, <laughs> I do know that. I know that unter means under. I should not have drank before this under episode. Kaifek. Jesus. Okay, but they are not clean either. Uh, you've also stolen. I also deny that I was in Schrubenhausen on April third and fourth and asked a Mister uh, Buchenecker. <laughs> For a map there. I haven't come from the municipality of Altengerberg since I started working at Gutlindenhof. All of the suspicions against me in this direction are untrue. I cannot give any further information about the murder itself. He goes on in the statement to discuss his criminal past and his brother Anton. The full statement can be found online. Dear God. I, re I read it. I read the whole thing. <clears throat> basically, so basically what he does, A, he throws these other people under the bus. Of course he does. The followers, of course. Which we're going to get into next. And they're another one that's pretty fucked up because literally from the day it happens until like the 50s, shit keeps coming up about the Thalers <clears throat> and the whole family, not just the brothers, like the, the family. Um, but I read the rest of this. I read the rest of his statement. And after that point, they basically say, yeah, but you're a crook. And he's like, yeah, well, I did this on this date, blah, 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 blah. I did this on this date. I, uh, and he goes through his whole fucking criminal record <laughs> explaining what he did, why he did it, like all this other shit. I'm like, dude, I got to the end of it like, I don't need to put any of this in here. Holy fuck. Like, I'm just going to cut it right here because basically the rest of it had, doesn't really have anything to do with the murder. It's basically him like, yeah, I did this. Yeah, I did this, but I didn't fucking kill anybody. Well, let's talk about the the Thaler. Is that right? The Thaler family. It's either Thaler or Thaler. I'm, I'm not sure. All right. Well, we'll call it Thaler. Thaler or Taylor for all I know. Maybe it's Taylor. <coughs> we'll say Thaler. There were many instances where the Thaler family had been brought up as suspects in the killing, sometimes with a man named Wendelin Casper. Some of those reports are as follows. February 25th, 1924, according to the testimony of an unknown witness, but whose name is known to the police, Joseph Thaler is said to have been interested Another in Victoria Joseph. and someone else in freaking interested with Victoria, Victoria dude. dude. Jesus. <laughs> dude. She must have been hot as fuck. I was going to say, do you have any pictures so we can know what she I looks like? I can find them. Let's see if I can find them. She's probably fuck ugly. Oh, <laughs> A pic from Johan. 1922 standard. Well, yeah. A pic from Johan Gall is said to have been stolen sometime before the murder in Hinterkai effect, and the Thaler brothers are said to have been suspected of having carried out this theft. After the murder, the old Thaler Hinterkaifeck would have liked to buy and would have liked to buy and it would have annoyed him that the court went to the Gabriels. Okay, so they're saying that he just didn't if what the fuck? <laughs> Moody, what the hell is this talking about? After what the murder, what, what's up? After the murder, the old Thaler 
Hinterkaifeck would have liked to buy, and it would have annoyed him that the court went to the Gabriels. He wanted to buy the farm after the murder, and it pissed him off that it went to the... Or no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. After, so basically after the owner of the farm, the Gabriel died, it went to Victoria. So Andreas and Victoria got the farm, but he wanted, the older Thaler wanted to buy the farm after the the older Gabriel died. Okay. That's, so he that's was kind pissed of off. Thought. He was pissed off that Andreas and um, Victoria, or uh, Cecilia. Yeah. Victoria and Cecilia, or Andreas and Cecilia got the farm and he didn't get to buy the farm. Because he wanted to buy it after the older, the guy who owned it first died. Gotcha. You guys yeah. got all that? So, all right. Yeah. April 5th, 1924, Josef Fuchs, dentist from Pfaffenhofen, is questioned. At some point around this time, the pastor of Weidhofen must also have testified, whose information together with those of uh, Josef Fuchs and Anton Strasser initiated new investigations against the Thalers and the Caspers. Fuchs tells of the rumor spread in Skrobenhausen. Oh my God! Which which one is it? The one on the, the right? One, with the, the one kid? holding the kid. She doesn't look terrible, but it's it's a 1922 picture. She's just plain as fuck. We have to post that picture up. This looks. I mean, it's hard to tell. She's not ugly as fuck or anything, but it's a really bad picture. Her mom, if that's who's next. To her, <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 there's this one too. I don't know. This must be the mom, right there in the middle. Oh boy. <laughs> oh. I'm assuming boy. that's the mom and Andreas. And that's Andreas on the left. Okay. So I'm not sure who that woman is, but I'm assuming that that's Victoria and Joseph. Okay. The, that makes the sense. Baby Joseph. Yeah. So I don't know if that in the middle, maybe that's the maid. Possibly. So, yeah. okay. So the Fuchs tales of the rumor spread in uh, Schrobenhausen and Wadehofen and Wendelin Kasper was the culprit of Hinterkaifect. Okay. So they're saying that it's uh, that uh, the Wendelin Kasper was. Okay, Wadehofen and Casper. Yeah. Casper was gloomy and would leave the inn as soon as the conversation turned to the murder. He reacts passively to accusa- accusations from the perpetrator and does not defend himself. Oh, shit. These rumors could not be confirmed by the police, and those present were who were given as witnesses could not testify to the incidents and conversations described. May 23rd, 1924, the butcher Anton Strasser gives the police information that Wendelin, so he's not like a killer or anything. He's actually a butcher. An actual butcher. Yeah, yeah. I figured. I, I love how they put that in there, though. <laughs> the butcher! Uh, that Wendelin Casper and Andres Thaler Sr., who were good friends before the murder, um, let's see, be referred to uh, in the ends as the perpetrators of Hunter Kaifek. The Thaler brothers are also said to be involved in the murder. So they're throwing a bunch of people There's a lot of people. There's a lot of people that are... Uh, Talking about the Thalers as as being a part of it. Okay. So there, that's another one aside from Schittenbauer. Okay. The Thalers are another one that like a lot of people are throwing around. Okay. So Casper and Thaler suddenly became enemies after the murders. Or the murders. Wendelin and Andreas Casper were suddenly able to continue building, although construction had previously been stopped due to the lack of money. It was also notable noticeable to him that it was precisely on this construction site that craftsmen were later paid with gold money. Casper also paid for Flower and his daughter's tr- uh, trousseau in gold. Essig Krug from Wadehofen had publicly uh, described Casper as a murderer, whereupon a libel suit was pending. So basically back then you were like, ah, oh, he's a murderer. I'm going to sue you. That's just, pretty, just pretty everywhere. Because, That's just what was going on. And you got to think back then is like somebody, somebody whispers it to their neighbor. And then next thing you know, two days later, the whole fucking town thinks you're the guy that killed him. 
You know what I mean? Like a fart that, in a windstorm. That, dude, it ruins, it'll ruin your yep. reputation. Not that these guys seem like they had a really good reputation to begin with. Yeah, they but, all sound like a bunch of dickheads. Yeah. So March 3rd, 1925, an anonymous letter is sent in Augsburg, which also brings the Thalers into play as the perpetrator. So this is three years after the murders. The letter arrives anonymously at the Augsburg City Police on March 6th. Jeez. So basically... And, uh, so somebody sent it on the third, and um, it showed up on the sixth. There's, there's more about the March letter. March sixth is my wife's birthday. Oh, nice. Yeah, maybe, uh, yeah, maybe she did it. No, nope. uh, there's more about the letter, but it wasn't really. It didn't really seem like it meant a whole lot. So I didn't like a couple of days. Uh, basically, from March sixth, they like investigated the letter. It, they tried to figure out where it came from and who wrote it, but they never really figured it out. So, okay, January eighth, nineteen thirty-seven. <laughs> statement by Joseph Thaler in Augsburg. Uh, Thaler states that he has been questioned both as a witness and as a suspect in the Hinterkaifeck murders uh, case since it was found. He was asked if he could name a perpetrator. He could not. He could only name those people who were suspected of being the perpetrators in the area. Thaler openly talks about the suspicion against him, his brothers, and his father, and against Wendell and Casper. Thaler can give his father an alibi for the night of the crime, and he doesn't trust his brothers to do the crime either. Thaler wants to pursue, pursue a libel suit because of the renewed allegations. Thaler also denies ever uh, having been to Riker's window. Oh, because remember she said she, she was said talking to, she someone was talking to someone outside the window. Yeah. On the day of the discovery, Thaler claims to have gone to Hinterkaifeck with Leibmeier, jeez, his father and his brother uh, around 5 p.m. There they found 100 people from Groburn and the surrounding area. They were free to move around the house and look at the bodies. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> so wait, the Thaler brothers were there? They were there, Yeah. They were there when everyone was walking around the crime scene. The Thaler brothers took over Night Watch on the first <clears throat> night together with a farmer from Gruburn with the first name Yosef until 4 a.m. These three joined the Judicial Commission at the inspection after it arrived at around 11 p.m. In addition, the commission found a lot of coins in a wardrobe whereupon they would have ruled out robbery. They had spent the night watch on a bench in front of the bakery. They weren't in the bakehouse itself. There were no traces of blood or burnt clothing to be seen. The night watch had no lamps with them. Thaler also, oh, because the one guy said that he got flashed by a, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, a, a lamp. Thaler also describes that there were rumors in the area about Lauren Schlittenbauer. Schlittenbauer. Yep. Who was the father of the two-year-old Joseph, and there were also rumors against Joseph Gabriel. Thaler denies, however, that there was uh, in enmity. In enmity. In what the fuck is that word? Enmity. I, I, okay. Between the Gabriel, is that animosity? Yeah, I like anger. Okay. Between the Gabriels and the Hinterkaffakern. <laughs> Fuck. The two families simply never met. So, oh, so he said that they had grief. Somebody, there was, there was, they were saying, people were saying that there was like animosity between the two families, and he was saying the families just never met each other. Like they don't so know. So there's each no other. fucking grief there. Okay. <clears throat> right. Thaler confirms the Gabriel statement that none of the Gabriel family came to the farm for the first few hours after they were found. There are several more reports, interrogations, and accusations all the way up until at least the early 50s. Nothing ever came of uh, all of this, and none of the Thalers were ever charged. So those guys... Seems sketchy. I would I would say, along with Schittenbauer, they're pretty high up on the list of, of possible suspects. So this... Okay, so this next guy is the one I was talking about. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Oh, shit. Yeah. Paul Mueller is a suspected serial killer in America in the late 1800s and early 1900s. He's been put forth as the orientation of a series of axe murders in the U.S. during that time period. Author Bill James puts forth his theories in a book called The Man from the Train. 
He puts all the clues together and links various killings, including the infamous Valeska axe murders. Um, have you ever heard of those? I have not heard of Okay. That. It's very similar to the Hinterkaifeck, but it happened in America. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Together, and uh, he puts them together and links Mueller as the killer. He then brings up the similarities between uh, to Hinterkaifeck. Similar murders stopped around uh, 1912. So, so basically, in America, there was a, a bunch of murders that were happening late 1800s, early 1900s. There was a series of axe murders, and they all were very similar. But at the time, authorities were basically thinking everything was very regional, and nobody really put together that this murder was very same as this murder, was just similar to this murder, no was connection. similar to this murder, because they were so far apart. Okay. So there was, at the time, you know, eighteen late 1800s, it wasn't like cops and fucking, I mean, you're still talking about the fucking Wild West, late yeah. 1800s, you know yeah, what I mean? Late, yeah. So it's not like they could just call somebody and be like, hey, I heard about that murder up there. It sounds kind of like our, like they didn't fucking know what was going on. Right. So this guy went back and started looking at all these different murders and basically put together that it was a serial murder of some sort. And this Mueller guy is their top suspect. And uh, they noticed that, Right around 1912, the last of these similar murders had occurred. Okay. So that's where we're at right now. I see now. what you got. Okay. Yeah. So James believes that this is because Mueller believed that the authorities were on to him and he left and went back to Europe. There are many similarities uh, to the U.S. crimes and Hinterkaifeck effect that lead James and many others to believe it could have been Mueller. Since of these, uh, since some of, of these, oh. <laughs> when I type, it always fucking autocorrects some to since for some reason or dinner. So I get dinner all the time too. <laughs> Some of these include the fact that an entire family was murdered. The weapon used was similar to those used in the U.S. The blunt side of the weapon was also used in all the murders. The young girl's bodies were treated differently. The bodies were stacked and covered. Isolated farmhouses and all were in walking distance to train stations. There were well over 100 suspects questions by, uh, questioned by uh, these and generally postulated to be the most likely suspects. So, who did it? Why did they do it? So many questions are out there still. Like, dude, I have so many fucking questions. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Was someone living in the fucking attic up until the murders? Did they start there until the bodies were found? So many other strange things went on. It's very hard to tell what actually happened. There's a wealth of information on the website we mentioned earlier, which is where a... a uh, the, vast. <laughs> vast. <laughs> beast. Vast majority of this information came from. There is um, just so much crap, to, not crap, information to go through. And if you want to delve into the, the case more, which definitely recommend because this is a fucked up story that a lot of people don't know about, check out those websites. And this yeah. is another case we still most likely will never get an answer to. But it's a great case to research and head down rabbit holes, listeners. It's yeah. the Hunter Hunter Kaifek. And yes. most people are like, what the fuck is that? <clears throat> yeah. Like even you, like when I mentioned it to you, I'm like, dude, you got, I want to do this one. Right. And I was like, I didn't know. Like I said, I didn't really know. I was like, I don't, yeah, I don't know what that is. And then I, as I started researching, I was like, okay, I've heard of this, but I'm not familiar with it. You know what I mean? Like I recognize the story behind it, but I didn't know what it was called or anything like that. But there was so much more to it than I had ever even. Like, yeah. It's, it's an insane story, especially for the time and the place and how many people are involved. Yeah, and like, yeah, yeah. we just don't know who they, is doing it. They literally interviewed over a hundred suspects. And the ones that we mentioned are, are basically the ones that are generally put forth as the most um, likely suspects. So, I don't know. What do you think? Who do you think did it? You got who, who's you your top? Who I, who's who, your top guy? My, is it Schittenbauer? Schittenbauer. Schittenbauer. Yeah, Schittenbauer's right. for sure. I I, I, think I he's like got, he he knows something. I like the Paul Mueller guy. 
Really? Yeah. You think the serial yeah. killer guy? Yeah. It'd be nice to know if they had some sort of a tracking of of of, of his well, travel. He did, okay, so from what I can tell, he did go back to Europe at some point. Um, I have to get more into that story because like, I want to read that book that that guy wrote because it, it seems pretty interesting. I would like to get into that a little bit to find out, like, first and foremost, like, where from Europe he was. What he would was take German. Him? He, oh, he was from Germany? He was German. Do you think he... <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And, like, just that, from that what I was be. reading, from the little bit that I did read into it, like, he's a pretty good, like, he's a pretty good suspect. Plus, yeah. he was a drifter. He had nowhere to stay. Why not live in someone's fucking attic? You know what I mean? Like, it's fucking crazy. So I Can don't you know, imagine if like an American serial killer is the one who did that. That's what I'm saying. Like it's it, like I like that theory. I do. That's crazy. I'm gonna look into that. We might do a we might do a bonus on him. I think we should do a bonus on, or that. at least that whole situation. You know what I mean? Just the, the connection. And yeah, stuff. those yeah. murders and the connect because that's a really interesting thing for me. Well, guess what we're gonna be doing next, Moody? Um, we're doing the movies. Uh, So we are talking about the just fucked up horror movies from uh, from Germany, right? German yeah, horror ten, movies. We got a list of ten uh, crazy German horror movies for you, which is amazing. And I'm 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 going to wonder here if I've seen any of these. I I, I looked at the list. I've seen a couple. All right. You may have seen a remake of one of them. All right. Well, number ten is the Bunker from 2015. In this dark comedy, love it already. A student in need of a quiet place to study finds himself in a remote underground home owned by an eccentric family. The man agrees to tutor their son, but upon closer inspection, he learns their darling child is not a little kid at all. No, he's really an adult. (laughs) Weirdly enough, that aforesaid plot point is not the strangest thing going on in this slow burner. The bunker touches upon cosmic horror whilst offering up some utterly uncomfortable moments that will make you want to seek shelter. Ooh, that sounds kind of cool. I'd probably give it a go. I've heard of it. I've heard of that one. I've never seen that one. I'm assuming it's all like, you know, uh, in German, right? Some of these are, some of them aren't. Um, Some of them, I think, have English translated, but I don't know. Okay. Uh, Let's see. Number nine is Cold Hell from 2017, which is that a CGI movie? Mm-hmm. It, doesn't it look like it? The, like the picture of it looks like it's a CGI. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's tough to tell. Doesn't it look like a like a almost like a video game? Yeah, like G, GTA or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, a Turkish immigrant gets caught up in a terrible situation. The German Australian or Austrian thriller Cold Hell um, in Vienna, Austria. Uh, why do we keep saying Australia? Because we just did Australia. last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Vienna, Austria, the protagonist incidentally becomes a witness in a series of murders. As she reports the crime to the authorities, she paints a target sign on her back. Now the culprit is out to silence her. Mm. Cold Hell taps into elements that made Italian giallo films work. Ultimately, it shakes its horror premise and transforms into an actioner. An actioner? <laughs> Nonetheless, there are some genuine thrills to be found in this import. So that's number nine. All right. Yeah, and this good. is from a uh, from ScreenRant.com, so we don't really have any ratings or any thing on Correct. here. Correct. Yeah, so... Number eight, we have Anatomy from 2000. Another one that I've heard of. I've never seen. I actually know that chick in there in the picture right there. I've seen her in a couple of different movies. On the left? No, the center. Oh, okay. Yeah. The one on the left looks familiar to me. After Paula wins a this spot. This dude looks at- like a douchebag, though. 
He looks like he's been in like every porn ever. <laughs> After Paula wins a spot in an elite medical school, she stumbles upon a bizarre mystery that is rooted in the institution's cryptic history. The more she intrudes in the past, the more danger she welcomes into her once normal life. Anatomy, or anatomy in German, which is the, it's the same goddamn same thing. fucking word, is shaped like a standard <laughs> slasher. She was obviously done as uh, this was obviously done as a way to capitalize on the su- success of the Wes Craven's Scream franchise. That being said, Anatomy eventually shirks the formula and goes for a conspiracy theory plot that is both unexpected Ooh, and refreshing. I like it. And there is also a sequel. Oh, yeah. okay. That one like actually sounds pretty cool. Conspiracy theories. I mean, yeah. you know that. Yeah, of course. Number seven, we have from 1989, Lauren. 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 It's just called Lauren. L-A-U-R-I-N. Correct. Lauren. Because of the Germans. Lauren. Lauren. Does she have a mustache? She might. <laughs> a picturesque harbor town is uh, at the center of this 1989 German-Hungarian film. I was I, nine years old. I love how it's like German-Austrian, German-Hungarian. Like, come on, yeah. Germany, put your own movies out. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. not a lot of money back then. Yeah, they probably true. needed help. Yeah. In Lauren, a nine-year-old girl experiences haunted dreams at the turn of the century. Mm. Her disturbing visions appear to have a connection to local children gone missing without a trace in this mm. village. Okay, interesting. Lauren was originally filmed without sound before it was dubbed over with dialogue. Huh. This is why the audio might appear out of sync or just seem plain unusual. Many viewers agree this hidden gem's lavish aesthetic offsets any of its glaring technical and narrative flaws. All right. All right, so okay. if you can get past the weird overdub shit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like it's like a kung fu movie at that point. Yeah. <laughs> it's exactly what it is. <laughs> Uh, number six, The Nightmare from I've, 2015. I have not seen this one, but I've heard of this one as well. Oh, really? Yes. In the study of sleep, the word nightmare originates from the Old English word mare, which applies to a creature in German mythology. A mare is said to ride on one's chest as they sleep, which in turn spurs bad dreams. Hmm. There is a famous Henry Fuseli painting based on this aptly, uh, on this aptly called The Nightmare. In the semi-related 2015 movie The Nightmare, one woman's lifestyle of hard partying has supernatural consequences that cannot be ignored. She soon becomes the target of what seems like a malevolent entity in her dreams. I didn't know that that, that that's what Mare was from Nightmare. No, I didn't either. Something sleeping on your yeah. fucking chest? Yeah, giving you nightmares? Crazy. What the fuck? <laughs> no, yeah, that's crazy. I don't man. like that one. Uh, number five, Benny's Video. Now, these are all German movies, guys, so get out there oh, and watch some go. of these. Here's the picture of that. Here's that painting, and it's exactly what they say it is. Is a like kind of little demon, uh, like riding on it's like sitting on the chest of she looks dead, but I'm assuming she's sleeping. Oh boy, it's it's cool painting. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, it's kind of like, so number five is Benny's video from 1992. Parents go to the extreme lengths to protect their son in the disturbing thriller Benny's Video. I've heard of this one as well. The eponymous teenager is intrigued by death and slaughter. He shows a video of a pig being slain to appear, who he then murders. Oh, Jesus. He films the act as well. When the parents uncover their boy's crime, they do everything in their power to protect Benny. Benny's Video is a different breed of horror that will make you shudder with nary a ghost or demon in sight. The titular character's unaware depravity is so startling that you may not be able to rewatch this film all too soon. Oh my god, that sounds pretty. I've heard I've heard of that one. I've heard people talk about that movie. Really? Yeah, it's just it's like pretty fucked up. It sounds fucked up. So this one number uh, 4 is Shram. <laughs> That's S C H R A M M from 1993. One should not enter the madness that is Jörg Buttergeist Shram without understanding what they are in store for. 
If you cannot handle senseless violence and an astonishing level of self-degradation, <laughs> Jesus, steer okay. far away from this gory character study with art house aspects. For those who are brave or simply curious, SRAM is the celluloid equivalent of a downward spiked or spiral spiked with a psychotic break. It is seedy and often unbearable to watch. To say one would derive pleasure from this kind of movie seems like a stretch, as it's more of a test of endurance Ooh. than a source of entertainment. Hmm. Oh, shit. I'd have to give that one a go. That immediately <laughs> makes me just go, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Makes me want to go watch it just yeah. to see why. Like, at least, at least get into it a little bit and be like, yeah, okay, this is for me. <laughs> but at least I can say, like, oh, I tried. It's definitely <laughs> fucked up, though. I tried. I tried yeah. to watch it. Yeah. Uh, number three is The Curse from 1988. In this little-known German movie, a husband and wife and their daughter get lost in the mountains. They are forced to stay there overnight, which leads to unexplained occurrences. For one thing, the daughter discovers the dead body of a girl who looks just like her. <laughs> is there any escape from this mountain, which is said to bear a prophetic curse? Der Fluch, a.k.a. the curse, is said to be ahead of its time, which is likely very true. It bears little to no special effects or jump scares. In fact, it's more about atmosphere, which is a breath of fresh air for the most jaded horror fans. Okay. Hmm. Number two, 1995, Mute Witness. I've heard this. I've heard of this one as well. Although Mute Witness is a Russian-British-German co-production, it's... <laughs> Tell Jesus. Come on, Germany, you can do it! It's just like three guys from different places. <laughs> like three friends. Right, just, yeah, just hang out it's in different like, countries. yeah, we'll call it a Russian-British-German. Yeah. Eh, fuck it. Yeah, whatever. It thrills. Its thrills are universal. In this 1995 film, Billy is a successful movie makeup artist who also happens to be mute. On a mm. film set in Russia, she gets trapped behind the scenes one night. As she lies in silence, Billy watches the crew make a bona fide snuff film. Ooh. Uh -oh. oh boy. Unfortunately That's for their hot. Yeah. Unfortunately <laughs> for their witness, though, she's now an enemy of the Russian mafia. Ooh. There has been a long debate about whether or not snuff films ever existed, but most chalk it up to being an urban legend. If you don't know what a snuff film is. Yeah, I've heard, yeah, you should I'm not it. I'm not gonna get into it, but I'll let your Google history come up with it. Uh, you can you can look it up. But oh, it's, it's easy. Not. It's easy to say. It's it, it's a porn where somebody dies. Where they, they literally, yeah, they kill somebody on camera. They kill someone on camera. If you've ever seen a Serbian film, which I hope to God you haven't seen it. Eight millimeter. Eight millimeter deals with it. Yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's fucked up. It's fucked it's up. really fucked up. Way fucked up. Yeah. So please don't. In fact, don't Google that. We just told you. No, 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 no. You'll go, be on somebody's. Go. Like Google it list. so you yeah. can get on the same list that we're on. <laughs> well, our list is way <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> Not going to lie. So Mute Witness exploits the myth anyway, and the end result is a white-knuckled cat and mouse that still shocks today. And number one for German movie, fucked up horror films. So this is the one I said you may have seen the remake. I've seen the remake of this. I haven't seen the original. Okay. The remake is pretty good. Funny I like it. And it's called Funny Games? The yes. remake's called yes. Funny Games? I don't think I've seen it. Yeah, it's pretty good. 1997, it's Michael. Fucking, it's weird. Haneke returns with Benny's video actor, Arno Fresh. The dude from Benny's videos in two of these. Yeah. This German-language Austrian movie is a per precursor to the uh, all the home invasion movies we are familiar with. And openly fear. Today, in the 1997 film, a family visit, a family's visit to an idyllic lake home is interrupted by the arrival of two highly disturbed strangers. The parents and their son are ultimately tortured. Funny Games is not that for the faint of heart. Seriously, do not take this warning with a grain of salt. Even the most cynical of us will find one moment in this controversial movie uh, irrefutably horrifying. If you like Naomi Watts, she and Tim Roth mm -hmm. star in a shot-for-shot English-language remake. 
Also directed the, by Hannigan. Yeah, the same guy redid his own movie in an English version of it. With Naomi Watts and Tim Roth? Yeah, it's good. It's a good movie. I don't... I'm trying... Is it okay. fucked up? It's it's kind of fucked up, yeah. Like, I remember... It's it's kind of like a dark comedy, too. There's parts... There's literally parts, like, in the middle of, like, fucked up things that you just, like... Haha, okay. Like, because there's, like, this weird, like, dark comedy aspect to it. And I remember it being pretty weird. I'm trying to think because they say that there's... Uh, the the most cynical will find one moment in this controversial mu- movie irrefutably horrifying, and I, I was trying for the life of me to remember what that could possibly be, and I don't know what that is. So is it to like the average viewer? It would be or yeah, I just I don't. I, I'm assuming they're saying that like if you're not really into crazy fucked up horror movies, that you would watch that and be like, oh my god, what the fuck was that? But I don't remember that scene, and I didn't look it up because I, I kind of want to go back and watch the movie again. And I and try to figure out what they're talking about, but I remember watching it and I remember liking the movie because it's got that dark comedy aspect. But it is it's kind of fucked up, man. Yeah, I don't think I've. And I think it's cool that the dude did basically like they said it's a shot for shot remake. It's like the same fucking movie with just American actors and English and it's in English. And he did it in like uh, I can't remember when it was, but I remember I think I saw it when I was living in New Orleans, so like early two thousands. I think it came out. Who Tim is it? Tim Roth. Tim Roth. Tim Roth. Is that the guy from... He's the guy in Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, you fucking pigs, move, and I'll execute every motherfucker. Yeah, he's that one. one. Yeah, he's that guy too. Yeah. yeah. From uh, um, Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I like him, dude. He's awesome. Oh, I think he's a great actor. It's a good It's a good movie. I like. I remember liking it. I think it was early 2000s that came out. All right, I'm going to have to check that out. So yeah, that those are the top... We're not not top ten, but those are just top. Those are ten, ten pretty fucked, up, fucked up German movies. Ten fucked up movies that, that people fucking. So like we were talking about too. I just want to throw this out there. We were looking at a lot of the top German movies, and they were all from like the twenties and thirties. Like the top, the, the one that like comes up on every list of like best German movies is Nosferatu from nineteen twenty two, which is when the fucking murders took place, which right. is crazy, which is just insane. Um. And then there's other ones like uh, the the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, which is a lot of people consider like the first zombie movie because... Uh, right, right. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it just depends on your take on it, but it definitely could be. But uh, so a lot of the a lot of the good German movies that I was w- looking, they were back in like the 20s, 30s, 40s, like early days of film. It's because they have to get other people to help them make movies. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you do me a favor? I have this movie I'd like to make. <laughs> You know, maybe you could call the British man. <laughs> Was it, do you have a British friend? I has a very good at it. Yes, that's, you know, I don't have very much money, but I have an idea. I do have an idea. I feel like maybe back in like the eighties and earlier than that, though, might have been tough because they were split. You know what I mean? Like when they were, yeah, I could when see they, that. In the days where they were split, it might have been hard for them to get funding for stuff like that because just because of the way things were at that point. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, listen, passengers. We hope. We really hope, <laughs> we hope and pray that you enjoyed your ride with us on the Hinter Kaifek murders. And that you could make sense of it. Oh, man. It's something I wanted to do. I didn't realize the rabbit hole that we were jumping down. Like, I just knew about the murders yeah. and I wanted to find out more about it. And I'm glad that we did. Yeah, I, I, it was cool. You really, it was it the, was painful. The can, the can of worms was just like everywhere. I, I literally just had to read and listen to other things for like four days, like I said, and I still was just like, I just got to fucking write something down. I don't know. But listen, it's a very, very cool, um, not cool in the sense that it's cool that people died, but cool. It's interesting. It's interesting that, you know, there's a murder that took place, multiple murders that took place so long ago 
and they literally have no idea who did it. But the, to me, the most interesting part about it is that this person not only was in the house, who knows, uh, up, up until up to six months, possibly. But then afterwards, four days afterwards, with the dead bodies. You know and, what I mean? and while people were coming to the farm to do things, that dude fixed the fucking engine while they were there, while the murder what, or murderers a hundred yards away from yeah. the dead bodies went to the barn. It's fucked up and didn't go inside. And there was somebody there when that was going on. It's fucked and up. Nobody it, knew. And it's literally considered um, Germany, one of Germany's like most um, uh, peculiar murder cases oh, yeah. of, of all uh, yeah. time. I mean, you put that anywhere and it's got to be, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's it's just a strange case. And I really wanted to cover those, that. Those two websites we mentioned at the beginning, the henterkaifek.net, which is where I got most of my stuff from. If you really want to get into some crazy shit, check out the two websites we mentioned earlier. And you could you could spend days just following leads and rabbit holes into random. It's it's crazy. It'll be in the show notes for everybody. Yeah, so put them definitely. Out. We'll put them up next week. Guess what we're gonna dive into? I don't even know yet. You what are don't. we doing next? Week? I'm surprising you right now is what I'm doing. Great. Yes, I actually really want us to do another biopic. And okay, who are we doing? I want to do. Are you ready for this? Yeah, let's do it, man. Guillermo del Toro. Okay. Yeah. All right. Guillermo del Toro is one of my favorite directors Man, out there. Good, he's, God, he's got some good shit. He's got great movies. He's a Mexican film uh, maker. He's an author, actor, all kinds of different shit. He, he's best known for Pan's Labyrinth, yeah. um, The Shape of Water. He yep. does the the Hellboy. Um, yeah, he did do the Hellboy. He did Hellboy. He? Uh, fucking he's that. done a, a, a ton of. He did. Um, was it the Pacific Rim with the big fucking fighting robots? I believe so. That was him, right? I believe so. He did a cartoon too. Did like a what did he do? That was a cartoon. I don't know. Well, I guess did, we'll find out next and week. Then he did uh, the Devil was it the Devil's Backbone. Not yes, many people. Devil's that's backbone. a great movie though. Devil's Backbone. He uh, he's just been a, a bunch of stuff. What was it? Uh, Mother or Mom or whatever Mama. it was. Mama. I that's saw that in the theaters. It was a fucked up movie. It was cool. It was fucked up. Yeah. It was cool. But anyway, I, I love him and I feel At like... At least we the, know we'll have a movie list for next week. Yeah, absolutely, we will. And I just uh, want to do something different. We've been doing like, you know, murders and... Yeah, lighten it and up stuff. a little Let's bit. Let's do something different. Fucking it's almost the end of the year. It's almost Christmas. He hasn't murdered anybody yet. Not that we know of. It's true. Right. I mean, possibly. So next week, we will be diving into <laughs> the life of Guillermo del Toro. Too, who knows? Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> so listen... Make sure you guys are stopping over to the official website. That's uh, the Midnight Train Podcast.com and sign up. It's free over there. Just become a, you know, just member on there. Just sign yeah, up. Just sign up just so you can up. get some in. You get yeah. the notices when everything pops up. Right. You know, you get all the, you know, cool little things. And plus, yeah. we'll say your name yeah. at the end of the show like we always do. Um, at I feel our website. Like that list has gotten longer too, it's, has it? It's, it's getting longer and longer. Okay, good. Longer and that longer. means a couple it's, of people listen. It's working, <laughs> at least in Thailand. <laughs> Not so much in New Zealand. I haven't apparently. seen any Thailand yeah, names, yeah, though. Yeah. No, we haven't, have we? Uh, but we don't know what their names are. It's true. It could be Bob Smith. I've seen Thai names, and they are <laughs> they are a mouthful, my friend. All right. So listen, Thai people, we need you to send us your, like, sign up and, like, yeah. let us say your names. Let I, me screw your listen, names listen, up. Listen, listen, just right now. If you, if you are listening in Thailand, even if you listen one time and you're just maybe listening again to check us out again, please... Please put your name in there just so I can hear John. Yeah, I, I will definitely fuck it up specifically <laughs> for you. I will not intentionally. I, I'm not intentionally trying to ruin anybody's name. No, you're good name with names. Or you're words. just bad with words. Yeah, I'm bad with words. 
which is great that I've I, noticed you just do first names, which is probably for the best. Yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> next thing I know, I'm fucking up someone's last name and they're going to be pissed off. So anyway, over at our website, you can also buy some super sweet merchandise and we will be having some new shit popping up here for the new year. Uh, we will also donate nice. 10% of every sale to the National Association on Mental Illness. And if you or someone you know is struggling with any mental Ill, uh, health issues right now and we know the world's fucked up, please call the uh, NAMI helpline. That's N-A-M-I helpline at 1-800-950-6264. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. Or in a crisis, text NAMI, that's N-A-M-I, to 741-741 because mental health is no joke. And seriously. It's not. And don't be ashamed and don't be like afraid and be like, absolutely not. I'm too fucking, t- uh, no, I'll get through this myself. So it's don't pretend like you're strong enough to yeah, do it. Sometimes you just need a, a helping hand and someone to talk to. Everybody does, man. Yeah. And listeners keep asking how they can keep the steam in our engines. Well, if you like what you hear from us, consider being. Get me being- here and shovel some coal, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can also <laughs> consider being a producer of the show by heading yeah. over to the Midnight Train Podcast.com and clicking on the Patreon button or at patreon.com forward slash the Midnight Train Podcast. For as little as five bucks a month, you can get all kinds of cool shit like a custom shirt, custom poster, custom sticker, bonus episodes like the Day the Music Died series, which we have, you know, yeah, baby, <laughs> I like it raw <laughs> coming in there. So anyway, and then there's also a dollar option there, too. You don't get the bonus episodes, but it just shows that, you know, you're OK with throwing a dollar at us just to help us out. So if you're a diehard Midnight Train fan and you want to help produce this motherfucker, our Patreon is definitely for you. For those of you that would rather leave a one-time donation, listen, first and foremost, thank you so much. If you decide to do that, you can head over to PayPal and use the uh, email address, the Midnight Dream Podcast at gmail.com. Also, you can easily like, subscribe, and rate us on your favorite podcast platform. And most importantly, please share the Midnight Train to everyone. It takes only a couple of minutes, and word of mouth is how we're going to get more passengers on this train and continue to piss off countries like New Zealand. <laughs> We can't thank you enough for all of the love and support we've received. Except for New Zealand. <laughs> Except for New Zealand. You passengers keep this train moving. And literally, I mean, I know I'm reading the script and whatnot every week, but it, it's it's huge. It's yeah, huge. It, it really it's is. Awesome. I love the interaction we have with people. I love that we you guys listen time. to us. I know that there's so many podcasts out there that you can be listening to, but I feel like we bring something different, um, you know, because first and foremost, we're kind of off the cuff. We're idiots. We're, we're <laughs> Yes, <laughs> we are idiots. And I tell people that all the time, too. Uh, it's so funny. Like, they're like, oh, describe your uh, your podcast, whatever. I'm like, three idiots talking about history and uh, paranormal bullshit. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, absolutely. That's, that's exactly that, what it that's is. That's who we are. But this is like the shit that we would do if we were just sitting around drinking beer. So why not fucking record it? Exactly. And, but it's so much fun, too, because um, as much as we spew these facts and these things we're finding out, I love that part of it. Oh, absolutely. My favorite part of listening to podcasts is because of the history and information and shit that's in there. So hopefully the people that listen to us, they're, that's what they're into as well. And yeah. we're not for everybody. We yeah. know that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I say fuck like every two seconds. Look, look if it. we were for everybody, we wouldn't be in your basement doing this shit. That's very true. Very true. And New Zealand would not hate us. And yeah, they might still hate They'd us. They'd still hate us. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> we're for everybody but New Zealand. <laughs> Except New Zealand. <laughs> but I like Kiwis. Anyway. So thank you guys so much for listening. <laughs> All right. So a big fucking fucking flipping midnight train shout out to 
Tess, Heidi, Kaylin, Kevin, Matt, Diana, Christopher, Jacqueline, Katie, Michaela, Ramsey, Tamar, Tommy, Speakerbox, the Sister Skeleton. And please make sure you check out the Sister Skeleton. I said sisters. The sisters. sisters. The sisters. That's, I mean, that fits, though. It is. It should be the sisters. The Joyzies. And listen. They're from Joyzy. Ladies, do me a favor. At least for like a month, just change it to S I S T A S. The Sister Skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to say with the Jersey accent too, Sister Skelton. <laughs> anyway, it's so we, funny because if you listen to them, like it comes and goes too. Yeah, oh yeah. Like some of the shit they say, you're like, oh, there's the there, there it is, is. There it is. There's the Jersey. <laughs> yeah. No, we love them. Please check out the Sister Skelton. Um, uh, also to Riley, Diane, um, Alina, Stephanie, Julie, Diana, Laura, Cynthia, Kirsten, Dawn, Nicola, Caitlin, Chanel, Alex, Emily. Uh, Emily Ann, son of Vasco, Alicia, Frandapai, Danny, Melissa, Grace, Stormy, Eva, Melissa, Wayne, Victoria, Hager, Sean, Chainsaw, which we don't have. I have no doubt. There it is. (laughs) Jigsaw, Bill, son, Colin, Todd, David Vallow, Juan, Belen, Ken and Brad at Voodoo Vodka, Chef Kevin, Katie Brabenick, Davey, our Mexican vodka. Hola, Davey. Hola, Davey. I miss you, buddy. Yeah, we do miss him, man. And very special, a very special thank you to our superhero Patreon producers. Listen, you motherfuckers are so awesome. Chad Flint, Cheryl Pierce, Chris McLeod, Justin Kowalczyk, Rob Webb from the Funbox podcast. And that's the first time I think I've said that and not fucked it up. Yeah, I think it is. That was pretty good. Congrats. Thank you. Christina Skelton, <laughs> Maria Gibbs, Jessica Bartolome, Bill Birch, and Samantha Pickworth. You guys are way cooler than everybody else. I'm like, wait, you're cooler than us. You know, I mean... Cooler than you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. For sure they are. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. They're. Don't lump me in with you. <laughs> Don't put me in your shit. All right. So listen, if you guys want your name to be mentioned on the show, please sign up as a member on our website. Uh, like I said, it's free. Or please become a Patreon producer and just show us like, hey, we really believe in you guys. And we're going to fucking throw a couple of bucks at you so you can keep doing what you're doing. And maybe even you, fucking- you guys, you guys are helping us improve. And, and get new gear to make things better and improve what we're doing and offer you guys more stuff. Absolutely. And that's that's what and this that's is all what about, about, too. Man. And it's not like, you all know. All that money goes right back into the show. 100%. We're not padding our pockets or anything like that. And in speaking of that, by the way. Except for maybe some of this high life. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, please keep funding our beer. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That was a complete it's joke. Our, it's our way. beer money. Yeah. But uh, we are hopefully going to be on back on um, YouTube. Video, baby. Video. We are working We're gonna try something. on getting back. And so you can see our ugly faces on video. And uh, on, again, on don't lump me in with you. Okay. Just my ugly face. Whatever. It's fine. <laughs> I'm the handsome one. What the fuck are you guys talking about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so anyway we're looking forward to uh, getting that going um i'm 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 hoping we can have that going maybe next, the next maybe next week week after next week week after yeah we'll maybe next happens. week we could probably give it a shot next week see how it works and know what we need to tweak but yeah with the next couple of weeks hopefully we'll have the video back up so it's not just uh audio on youtube it'll right. be the video as yeah, well yeah that's what except we're... for new zealand where they won't be able to see anything <laughs> You know that shit's just going to keep coming up, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to be hard. So hard. I hope anyone in New Zealand who happens to listen to this, and if you're like, what the fuck happened? You know what? Your country failed. That's what happened. If you look, it may be fucked up on YouTube, but just go listen on Spotify or Apple and rate us. You know what? Cancel out that with a good five-star rating. There you go. Five stars would be perfect. I'd love that. 
be great. I love New Zealand accents. I like, do. Australian's good. New Zealand's better, though. I had a friend named Christy, and um, her, her accent, dude, is just great. There's, do, you watch, do you watch Bob's Burgers at all? No. Okay, so there's a, there's, a, there's a couple episodes with this kid from New Zealand. He's like an exchange student. <laughs> it's the funniest goddamn thing. They have, uh, it's the dude that directed, uh, I think he did Thor Ragnarok, and he did a couple other movies. Oh, okay, I know who you're talking uh, about. He does the voice. Oh, no shit. He's, new, he's from New Zealand. Oh, is he? And he's, got, dude, it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> well, listen, you know what? Before we get out of here, which we are at the end, and yes, we've hopefully... Hopefully we didn't break your brains with this episode, but we, we did, to, you know, it's yeah, okay. That's fine. We wanted to say, uh, we hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Absolutely. Yeah. I know that, uh, most of my plans got canceled. So I think, uh, you know, we, we, well, by the time you listen to this, we will have gotten together with a, just a couple of our friends. That's what we're doing too. I get to make some, I get to make the Turkey. I get to spend time. I, I, okay. Sorry. We're keeping going to keep going on. Oh, with this. how are you doing your Turkey? I'm just doing simple, man. Throw it in a bag in the oven. I'm smoking mine. Two of them. That's awesome. I don't have a smoker. Yeah, I'm smoking my shit, dude. I cannot fucking wait for that. It's going to be an all-day event. Hopefully, be smoking some shit. Yeah. <laughs> Not turkey. <laughs> dude, you want to hear a funny story about oh, shit. turkey and Thanksgiving and sure. smoking and shit? Yeah. God, I'm so glad my parents don't listen to this. <laughs> when I lived in New Orleans, we had to thank because we didn't have any family down there. So we had a couple, we had like a couple of our friends over or whatever. And I made Turkey. I made all the food, everything like that. <clears throat> After we ate dinner, we were just, <laughs> we were just hanging out. Me and my dude were smoking. And about two hours later, I was just standing in the kitchen with fucking crescent rolls and a pot of gravy, just dipping them in there and fucking eating them too. <laughs> it was amazing. Just baked dude. out of your mind. Oh, just dipping fucking <laughs> crescent rolls into a pot of gravy. That sounds good though. It was good. Dude, I can't listen <laughs> Out of all the holidays, like I love Halloween. I love Halloween yeah. just because, you know. If you could combine Halloween and Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's like my favorite holiday next to Halloween. Sure. Like, fuck Christmas. I, I, don't, I, give, Christmas. I don't give a shit about Christmas. I really don't. Like, it's become so materialistic and bullshit. Like, I've got a granddaughter, you know. Yeah. And yeah. so this year, you know, it's it's all about her. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like I want oh, to. That's for the kids. Yeah, it's it's definitely for the kids. Um, as far as anything else is concerned, if I want to buy something, I'll go fucking buy it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? If I want to buy my wife something, I'll think about if buying. If I want to buy my wife something, I'll tell her that I want to buy it for her, <laughs> and then I we don't have any money to buy it. So at least she knows that I want to buy it for her. See, Patreon <laughs> producers, <laughs> help Moody buy his wife something for Christmas. She she deserves it for putting up with me. She has nothing. We're in rags. She dresses in rags. It's terrible. <laughs> she does not. You stop it. All right, but listen, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. Please stay safe out there. We hope you had a great Thanksgiving. We hope you got to, you know, be safe. First and foremost, be Absolutely. safe. Because right now, shit's fucked. Please be Look, safe. Don't get, I hope you didn't get together with more than 10 people. And if you were singing and dancing, that you were six feet apart with masks on. Thank you. Just that's apparently what we're supposed to do now. Right. Our governor, Mike, Mike DeWine, would be very happy that you said that. That dude can kiss my ass. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that. And, of course, <laughs> shoot you, motherfuckers.